Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real. Ghost right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk live here on YouTube. Welcome to everyone listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And welcome back to the show, the man of the hour, a Real Take original, Lil Penny, Andrew. What's up, Andrew? What's up, dude? Oh, well, why are you so quiet? I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not really. Uh, I'm just. I'm ready to talk sports. Man, you were so loud like thirty seconds ago, and now he's like, yeah. "Hi, hello, my name." I was is going Andrew. off about. I was going off about nurses, and now I'm ready to talk sports. Well, I hope. Well, if we're gonna be talking nurses, there's gonna be one nurse we're talking about for sure, and that is Nick Nurse. What the Raptors are doing? They they actually traded away Goran Dragic. We'll talk about some trades in the NBA. We'll talk about the NBA trade deadline. We'll, we of course have to talk about Super Bowl. LVI, which stands for 56, if my Roman numerals are correct. I'm pretty sure they are. Super Bowl 56, we'll talk about Christoph Porzingis and his future in the nation's capital, D.C. We'll talk about J the James Harden-Ben Simmons trade, of course, and everything else going on in the wonderfully wild and wacky world of professional sports. Before we get to any of that, though, Please do me a big favor, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Andrew, before we get started, though, I just needed to ask you a question. Um, so far, other than the big trades that we've seen and, and all that stuff, what's something this week that's really stood out to you in sports that's just kind of either made you shake your head or go, oh, wow. The fact that we might not have an MLB baseball season because, mm. damn, Manfred is just being stingy. And it's like, you know, oh, yeah, like, we'll give you a season. But, like, you know, we'll, like, you know, pr pretty much you'll, we'll start cutting minor league jobs. We'll start, like, you know, take the minor leagues away. It's like, why? That, why? Why? I don't think we're asking for a lot. I, we just want a season. That's it. Oh, my God. Imagine this, Andrew. People want to watch baseball. Like, imagine that being such a foreign concept to people. I mean – like, I, I went on a rant about this last week, and I talked about, you know, the 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 greed that's been involved in this and everything else. But to me, it comes down to one big, big-time thing, and that is the fact that this season, if let, let's say this season gets delayed, right? If this season even gets delayed into, like, let's, let's be optimistic, into May, because at this point, it looks like they're not coming to the table. I don't think a deal is going to happen until at least mid-March. So if, if the season gets delayed into May, then you're looking at the schedule being postponed. You're looking at potentially less games being played. The October Classic might be in November if they want to try to play all the good, all the games, which is not going to be good for them or their ratings because that's when the NFL starts to ramp up. So it's going to hurt baseball regardless. And that is the biggest thing about this. The, if you care about the sport of pro baseball, if you and allegedly the Major League Baseball or Major League Baseball does, allegedly the players do, I don't think any of them do. It comes down to money. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. And I don't got a problem with players going out and getting their bag. I don't got a problem with all that. But my main problem is the way that Rob Manfred's handled this. Any commissioner, any league, any all the owners – all they want to do is use the sports that we love that are supposed to be part of our communities in order to make a buck off of us. That's what it's about. Don't get it twisted, people. These owners, Jerry Jones, to to everyone else, no one cares about you. They care about what you mean for their pocketbook. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. And we're learning that firsthand with this. And, Andrew, I'm telling you right now, if, God forbid, there's, a, there's like a, 
a strike season, God forbid there's an, a, the season gets canceled because of a lockout, if that happens, baseball as we know it is going to enter a dark age, even darker than after the 94 strike. It's going to be even worse because, dude, I don't know if you know this, less and less people are interested in baseball. That's why they've had to do so many things to try to make it interesting. But, I mean, you know, that's my tirade on, on MLB. It's just, it's trash what's going on. I just want baseball. I just want a season. Just to touch on a point, what you said real quick, you did mention you're okay with players getting their bag. I am, unless your name is Bobby Bonilla. That's it. That's all I have to say. Proceed. How much longer is he going to be getting his bag? Uh, too too long. Probably be married. I'll probably be married with you know. I'll be I'll kids. be retired. I'll I might be retired by the time the, he finally comes off the. I might be retired from work by the time he might come off. Andrew's going to be on social security by the time Bobby Bonilla collects his last paycheck from the. Pretty Mets. much, pretty <laughs> much, yeah. I mean, I don't see an end in sight for that, honestly, dude. I I I. I want to be optimistic, but I, I really don't see an end in sight for that. It's too damn long, dude. It's okay. Dude, I was know like I... five. I was like five, dude. I was like five <laughs> when they gave him that contract, dude. And there's still like, I think like 10 more years on that bitch. Like, yeah, I think it's like goes into like 2030. <laughs> oh, man. It, it's like, still it's 10 more years dude, on the, that bitch. The wild, the wild thing is, Andrew, it's like 2022, which that idea of it being 2022 is wild in itself. But you still got, we're still a long way away from the Mets being done with Bobby Bonilla Day. 10 more years on that bitch. Oh my God. The great, the we'll throw greatest a parade. For, <laughs> oh no, literally. we'll throw a parade. The day he comes off the books, we'll throw our own parade. Yeah. Damn sure not going to throw one for a World Series anytime soon. <laughs> anyway, let's, we'll find a way let's, to fuck it up. Yeah. I mean, you did in 2015, right? Uh, anyway, guys, let's keep things moving and talk about our first official topic of the day. And that is, of course, Super Bowl 56. The Los Angeles Rams are your Super Bowl champions. All the bets, all the picks, everything finally paid off in a sweet, sweet victory on some SpongeBob shit. Because the Los Angeles Rams are now Super Bowl champions. Matthew Stafford wins his first chip. Aaron Donald wins his first chip. Von Miller wins his second chip. And, of course, Cooper Cup, the MVP of the Super Bowl, won his first chip. Of course, that means that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Bengals lost. We'll talk about them in just a second. But, Andrew, put this into perspective. With everything that's gone into this season, with everything that's gone in building this team, what does this title mean for the Los Angeles Rams? What does this win mean for their franchise right now? I mean, dude, it means everything. Like, obviously, they relocated. They had to get out of St. Louis, went out to L.A., kind of rebranded the whole team and everything like that. Um, I forgot. I think McVay was already the coach when they were when they left uh, St. Louis and went to L.A. and everything like that. And it's big, you know. He was um, – I think he is the youngest coach to ever win a Super Bowl, right? Like, he, he was still – like, if he didn't win this year, then – like that would have went out the window. I think he is the youngest coach to win ever, but it's so huge. Too. It just goes to show like that team has been going all in for the past couple of years between, you know, paying Aaron Donald, bringing in Jalen Ramsey, paying Jalen Ramsey, making the um, going out and making the pick, uh, trading the Jared Goff pick, uh, well, trading Jared Goff and to bring in Stafford. Um, and then, you know, bringing in the other pieces, the Von Millers, uh, Odell, who even though he got injured in the Super Bowl, he contributed you know, when he was on the field and everything. And honestly, I think if he didn't get injured, they win that game by 20 points. Like, I think they 
that Bengals defense was having a hard time slowing down the Rams offense. And I honestly think that had he not gotten hurt, uh, they probably would have ran them off the field. But, you know, it's everything. It means everything to L.A. because they did. They've been going all in. And, you know, this might make a few other teams rethink a lot of like their strategy because a lot of teams, GMs, owners are very conservative with the way they want to spend money, with the way they want to make trades, the way they want to sign free agents. And, you know, this is the kind of thing where you saw a team. Yeah, they don't have a draft pick until what, 2024 or 2025 or something like that. But does not matter because they won the Super Bowl? you got some of these teams that are playing it safe who, you know, even with compiling all the talent, all the assets and everything like that might not even make it out of the conference. And this is a team that just went to show you go all in, you bring in all the talent, you stockpile all that talent and you get the right play caller and you know, you, you can win the whole thing. And that's what, that's what they did. They proved that the Madden style of GMing, uh, I believe his name is Les Snead, the GM. He proved that you can play Madden with real football teams and make it work because that's exactly how this team was constructed. They were already a decent football team. They were already a decent football team. They already been to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff and company. But they were a playoff team last year, dude. Exactly. They won a playoff game last year. People forget about that. But but the bigger thing is, like, he proved that if you can go out there, you get the best players, you get the best uh, value for your first-round draft picks. And for them... The best value was getting players like Von Miller, getting players like uh, uh, Matthew Stafford, getting all these guys who who were who were maybe seen as too old. Especially Von Miller got a little bit of that. Ah, Von Miller, you know, was he worth the draft pick? Apparently, yes, because critical plays were to be made in that Super Bowl, and Von Miller made a few of those critical plays, especially at the end when he sacked Joe Burrow on some key drives. So. I mean, this is vindication. Above all, it is vindication because people like me have been saying the one thing about this team, the one thing about everything that, that's gone into this season, they trade away all these first-round picks. You have to win a Super Bowl. It's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no excuses. You trade away all that capital. You trade away your first overall pick who got you to a Super Bowl. You have to win. If you don't, it will all be an abject failure. And they have avoided that failure. They 100% have. Congratulations to Sean McVay becoming the youngest head coach in NFL history to win a Super Bowl. Congratulations to Matthew Stafford. His coronation as a Super Bowl champion, man. Long overdue. This is a guy who who everyone universally in the NFL like loves. He is he's, he's a tough, hard-nosed guy. We all remember that. Do you remember that thing he did? Uh, when was it? It was his rookie year when he got injured against in a game against when he was part of the Lions in a game against the Cleveland Browns. Like NFL Films did like a whole thing about it. He broke his arm or whatever. He came back in on the final play, threw a touchdown to win the game with no time left. I mean, like things like that not only endear you to your city, it not it, but it endears you to the entire NFL community as a whole. And he did that from day one, so it's always good to see him, Cooper Cup. The guy who everyone was saying was, uh, you know, a, a, a decent, like, you know, number two receiver a few years ago, proved his worth winning the Super Bowl MVP, winning Offensive Player of the Year, having nearly 2,000 yards receiving, winning the Triple Crown. I mean, best team, best biggest moment, biggest win. Yeah. Oh, you're muted. 
I mean, yeah, dude, you, you, you know, you hit it right on the head and it, you're right, dude. It just goes to show like, you know, when you play that Madden style of GMing and everything like that, it does show you that, you know, cause a lot of people, dude, you don't know how many times you see so many teams are so scared to make that big move. They're so scared to, you know, let's go make that big move, sign that big player, trade away this draft pick and everything like that. Cause it might set our organization back and everything like that. But sometimes it's a gamble you have to take, dude. Like sometimes that's the gamble you have to take. They're not going to have a first round pick till, I think 2024 or something like that, but it doesn't matter or 2025 or something like that, dude, but it doesn't matter because they've reached the mountaintop. If they, if they only make the playoffs and get bounced next year, because maybe they're not as talented. Some guys walk, everything like that. They might not be able to keep this piece, might not be able to keep this piece. It doesn't matter. They got their, they got their chip. They, they did what they, you know, I, I now I'm sitting over here thinking to myself, you know, talent on my team, you know, obviously I have nothing against Tanny. Um, he did, he has Ryan revitalized. Tannehill. He has revitalized us. But at this point, I'm sitting up here like, you know what? I mean, I just watched the Rams go. And Stafford, dude, Stafford, Stafford's always been talented, dude. Like Stafford's always been one of the most talented. I think people forget. Like, he was being wasted in Detroit. Stafford was one of those dudes that you forget. Like, just a physical freak. Like one of the most talented quarterbacks in the entire league. He was just being wasted in that dumpster fire that was Detroit for pretty much his entire career. And you saw you get him out of there, put some real pieces around him, put some competency around him, and you see the kind of player that he could be. I'm sitting over here like, you know what? My team, we've got the organization. We've got everything established. You know, we could go out, make a trade, and, you know, potentially if we win the Super Bowl next year and then don't make the playoffs for the next 10 years, who cares? Who cares? We've it's never won a Super Bowl. It's all about that chip. It's all about that chip. Like if you, if you, especially if you're a, like, forget about players. We know how much it means to them, right? If you're a fan and your team has never won a Super Bowl, I mean, witnessing that is just, it's just such a cool feeling, man. It's just, it's like watching your favorite TV show, week in, week out, a season in, season out, and then finally, like you know, having that big payoff to like the thing you cared about the most, like if your favorite character, you know, in like you know, wins or whatever. It's like it's uh, that that sense of vindication, that sense of just elation. And one day, Andrew, you, you'll feel that with one of your I mean, teams. I mean, sure. dude, we're not asking for a dynasty; we're asking for a chip. Look at Kansas City, dude. Kansas City, Kansas City was good this year. Kansas City is not the team last year. They were not the team that won the Super Bowl a few years ago. They were not that team. Kansas City went all in, though, that year they won the Super Bowl. They bought in Tyran Matthew. Then they started making other trades. I think, um, was it, was it? Shady. Was, yeah, exactly. They bought him in. And then, uh, what was it? This year they went in and got Melvin Ingram. So, you know, they've been a team that's slowly, like, you know, they've been going all in, all in, all in. And, yes, obviously it has taken a toll because their secondary, their secondary can't cover nobody. They probably don't, they're, they don't play defense. Like, I, I'm, it's not even like they, they don't play they defense. Got so they don't have score you. They got Sorensen. They got a big white dude in the middle of the field who can tackle. That's all he can but, do. <laughs> That's but, all he can do. Can't cover. Listen, they got that chip. They they got that Super Bowl. They're still they're still a playoff team and everything like that. So you know, you go all in. You bring in these pieces and everything like that. Some of these guys ain't going nowhere. If you go in and you bring in a twenty-seven, a twenty-eight-year-old stud, you trade a draft pick, you bring a twenty-seven, twenty-eight-year-old stud for a two, three-year run, everything like that. You know, that's two to three years. You'll be a playoff team. Two to three years, you you give yourself an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. And look at Kansas City. They went in the first year, bought in Tyron Matthew, bought in those pieces with what they already had, won the Super Bowl last year, made the Super Bowl. This year, still AFC Championship and everything like that. So you can still continue to have success even when you go all in like that. And don't be surprised, dude. Don't be surprised if the Rams are back next year, too. Don't be surprised. Do not be surprised at all. Uh, are they the favorite to win, though? 
I think it's wide open, especially with Tom Brady being gone. With Tom Brady being gone, anything is possible. Although Tom Brady, who knows? We saw that thing where he said, like, you know, never say never. And I've learned at this point about sports and life in general, never say never. Never rule anything out. You never know what's going to happen. What, remember Brett yeah. Favre? Brett Favre used to retire every week. Brett Favre, literally every every. Do you remember there was that one season after every game? Yeah, I think I'm going to call it quits. And then by Wednesday, nope, still playing. And then Freaking after another Jared, loss, you know what? Jared Allen, Brad Childress, and everyone else had to go to his house and like convince him. He's just like, uh, I guess, like you know, he's like 44 years old, and oh my god. Well, speaking of 44 years old. Just I, I, you didn't get a chance to do this with me when, when um I did it, but uh, just it, very quickly, Tom Brady. All right, so Tom Brady retired. We all we know how great he is. Um, there are still some people apparently the the three people on the internet that that are saying that you know, well Tom Brady he might be the, he might be the greatest quarterback of all time or whatever, but he's not the greatest player of all time and. To those people, I'm just like, what does that even mean? Like, are you serious? Like, I, I understand the Jerry Rice. The Jerry Rice, I could see why people might think that because he was still having, like, great seasons in his 40s, like, when he turned 40. Tom Brady was 44 years old throwing 40 touchdown passes. So, for the people who might, for the people in the way back of the room, who might still have feel some type of way. Both of our teams have been burned by Brady in the past, obviously. But well, is Tom Brady the greatest player of all time? Motherfucking Tom, motherfucking Tom Brady, dude. I don't. We don't talk about. We don't. We don't talk about Tom Brady. I have. I think I have a, a fifty, a fifty something to nothing loss. Worst loss in franchise history. We don't. We don't. We suppress. Big shout out to Kerry Collins we, for that one. We suppress. We suppress those those memories but yeah tom brady's the goat nah tom brady i mean all these other dudes like yeah you could sit here and say goat at their position lawrence taylor is the greatest defensive player Dion prime is the best uh best db all that but no no it's 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 brady dude he's got the pedigree he's won the games everything like that and then he was even putting up the numbers even after dude how many years has brady been quote-unquote washed and he still like was putting up fucking mvp numbers the funny thing is like i read this up like people Brady apparently like was he was doing better in his forties than he was his entire twenties, which is scary. That's scary to me. Bill Belichick, that's why. Bill Belichick. Oh my god, uh, you, it's like you, it's the biggest thing is you're not supposed to get caught. It's like why are all these okay? Anyway, guys, hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever new videos release. Uh, sticking with the Super Bowl for just a quick second, Andrew. Obviously, before I do, do you have the TV on in your house? Uh, yeah, I'm going to mute it. Yeah, if you could. Okay. I have a money on these games, so. It's okay. You can turn it down. It's just. We're good. Cool. Anyway. I need Xavier. Uh, I need Xavier to beat uh, St. John's. Oh, uh, I mean, hey, Xavier's a good school. Um, anyway, Thank guys, you. Oh, moving on to our next thing, our next topic, I should say. The Cincinnati Bengals obviously came up short in Super Bowl LVI, Super Bowl 56. Uh, they were not able to win. Joe Burrow and Joe Shiesty, Jamar Chase when were not able to bring home the championship to Cincinnati. Again, a team that's never won it. Andrew, I'm sure you can relate to that uh, as far as feelings of 
wanting a ring and never getting one, wanting a title and never getting one. Mm -hmm. What does this loss mean for Cincinnati moving forward? Do you think this is something that's going to like maybe strengthen their resolve and maybe a few years from now they'll be back here in this position? Or do you think, you know, in that tough AFC North, it might be, it might, this might have been their shot? See, that's the thing is, um, yeah, the AFC North is tough, obviously, because despite the fact that the AFC North, it, it, listen, it might look like it's going to be down. Cleveland has the most talented roster in the entire league outside of the quarterback. Uh, Tomlin somehow can't, he, he's, it's impossible for that man to have a losing season. So there's that. And then the Ravens, when Lamar comes back, should be the favorite to win that division, even though Joe Burrow, you know, did establish himself as one of the best young, if not, you know, fringe elite quarterbacks in the entire NFL. But, you know, there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration, too. There's the uh, you ever hear of the Super Bowl runner up hangover. We saw it this year with Kansas City where you lose the Super Bowl and then you start out slow. Don't don't really, you know, make that noise and everything like that. It's like Kansas City did come along later on, but they also had a lot of help because they had a very weak schedule later on in the season and they did kind of get it together. But notice how they picked it up. Uh, later on in the season, Cincinnati, Cincinnati's built differently. Cincinnati has young studs, Jamar Chase, um, T Higgins, Boyd, everything like that um, with Joe Burrow. But, you know, they have to, first of all, they got to go out. They got to protect Joe Burrow. Um, Quentin Spain has to shut the fuck up. Uh, stop coming at the Titans because, you know, if, if he would have been better, we would have kept him. Number one, Eli Apple is another one. Shut the fuck up because you literally got burned on the two plays that pretty much, you know, decided the Super Bowl. So there's also that. And I usually, and I root for my Ohio state guys, but Eli Apple, dude, you had to root against him because if he won that game, he was not going to shut the fuck up the entire off season. And I've never seen, I've never seen a bunch of like bunch of professionals across all sports across like, you know, an entire league, all those check marks just collectively just being like, we fucking hate this dude. We're going to bury this fucking dude. The minute he fails, you know, we are going to let him hear it and everything like that. So there is also that. Um, but to answer your question, Cincinnati, um, I think they're going to be good. I do think they have a chance to get back next year, though. I mean, just given how what we've seen from the Super Bowl runner ups in all the past years and everything like that. And their division is not exactly the easy. They're not exactly in the, you know, the AFC East. They're not exactly in that division. So um, it's it's going to be an uphill battle. I think they're going to be a good team. Maybe they might be a wild card team next year. Um but I wouldn't also be surprised if they missed the playoffs. Like they have to get the O-line. They have to get all that stuff figured out. Um, they might have to, I think, pay some dudes on defense. I don't know what their contract situation is looking like. I know they made some moves and bought in some defensive players in the offseason. But uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. And, you know, they got exposed. They got, listen, they got exposed in the Tennessee game. We gave them the game. And then they also got exposed here in the Super Bowl. So biggest thing for them is they got to fix that offensive line. Because they, if Joe Burrow goes down, we've seen that movie before. Joe Burrow goes down, they're fucked. Like, Joe Burrow can do things that their backup can't. Not many quarterbacks can do. So that's my take on Cincinnati. Hell of a run, though. Hell of a run, though. You're muted. One of the funnest runs, honestly, I, I've I've seen in in sports, in, like in a while. I mean, I mean, trust me, it's it's no Washington Nationals winning the World Series in 2019. Like that was just historic. Uh, roll Tide. Um, but but um, in all honesty, I mean, it, it, I think they'll be back. I, I don't think they're going to be back next year, though. I think they're going to have to take 
that next year off. I think there are a lot of other teams that are going to be the the, the AFC is the Western Conference of the NFL. That is they they're all the best team. There's too many good teams in the AFC, and I genuinely think that the AFC North, especially, they're like the Steelers might not be as good as they've been, but the Browns are going to come back with a fury. And the Ravens, you bet your ass they're going to come back with a fury. With all the players, they're getting back healthy. With, with all the players, they're getting back healthy. With the moves, you know Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh. They don't mess around in the draft. They don't mess around in free agency. If there's a guy to be got, they're going to get him. So it's going to be harder. It's going to be a harder road through the AFC North for the Bengals for sure. That doesn't mean they're completely eliminated from even winning the division. But... It's not going to be Springs and Roses. They got away lucky this year because they were playing Big Ben, who was a shell of himself. They were playing a Steelers team that outside of TJ Watt wasn't good. The Browns were a joke. And I just, from top to bottom, a joke, underperforming. The Ravens were just dead <laughs> for most of the season. I mean, it, it is, they got away really lucky. If they can do it again next year against those teams, then we're talking about there might be the class of the entire NFL. But well, don't forget, well, look at their schedule too. They also this season they they lucked out because they were so bad the year before. They were given, you know, they played Jacksonville. You know, oh, they yeah. even though they lost, they played the Jets. You know, they were playing like the weakest team from every AFC division on top of their own division, which for the first time in a long time was down. So you take stuff like that into consideration. They're getting a first-place schedule. Like, they're going to play us. They got Kansas City. They're playing um, Buffalo. They're going to get those teams. They're going to get the other teams, uh, whoever else is going to be on their schedule. They're not going to get that cupcake schedule they had that allowed them to win these games yeah. this year. They're not getting that. Nah, it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be a cakewalk by any means. Got a big boy schedule now. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Guys, welcome to this show. If you're just joining us, be sure to hit that like button. Subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Andrew, let's move on and talk about the NBA. Something that you are very, very well equipped to talk about because I don't know if you guys heard the NBA trade deadline came and passed and nothing happened. You know, Andrew, like right, not not not, not anything big happened at all. I mean, there's not even no. anything to talk about here, really. Not really. Oh wait. I lied, I cheat, and I steal on some Eddie Guerrero shit because there were some big-time moves in the NBA. The biggest of them all was the trade that went down between the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Brooklyn Nets. Uh, here's the trade so you all can see it. The Nets traded away James Harden and Paul Millsap and to the 76ers in exchange for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Andrew, I mean, this when when we when we we had heard rumblings that James Harden was unhappy, we'd seen the for ourselves that he just quit on the team uh, on a game previously. But to have something come together this fast, I think was I mean astonishing. It, it shows you how willing the Nets were to just move on. They were locked in. We need to get rid of this guy. Uh, but what is what do you think about this trade? Which team right now is in a better position to win it all this year? Between the Nets and Philly? Yep. I mean, after what I watched last night, um, a fucking beatdown. I, I, 
it it's was very tough great. for me to it, it's very tough i mean I, I understand boston has been on a win streak but i mean bro, they lost by damn near 50 uh, brooklyn uh, brooklyn the wild card has always been Kyrie, dude even when they bought in james harden the wild card katie is gonna do katie the wild card is Kyrie. so um i think the team that's better equipped as of right now would be brooklyn just given what they acquired they got andre drummond who i wanted last year but the Knicks were like, no, 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 we're not going to go get Andre Drummond. It's like, okay, and then you watch what fucking Capella did to us in the playoffs. It's like, Andre Drummond literally would have neutralized all that, but moot point. Um, yeah, I just, I, I have to say it's Brooklyn. I mean, Ben Simmons, you know, even though Ben Simmons, you know, he's a good defender, you know, um, occasionally will he'll disappear on offense um, where Trey Young can guard him in the post. Um, he'll have moments like that, but. I just think, you know, they have the firepower with KD. And uh, if Kyrie is actually able to play, they'll give Milwaukee a run for their money. Because to me, the class of the East is still Milwaukee. And until somebody takes it away from them, it's Milwaukee is my pick to come out of the East. Yeah. I I mean, I echo your sentiments. Just it, it's Milwaukee's uh, uh, conference to lose, if we're being honest. Like they, they, they are going to be representing the Eastern Conference in the finals. I think that's just a foregone conclusion at this point. The, the, the only thing that I think could potentially have stopped that is if uh, Kyrie Irving would, would be available for the playoffs. That would have thrown, I think, a monkey wrench into the Brook, uh, into the Bucks' plans. But that's not going to happen. I, I That's just not going to happen the way everything's going right now. And I'm not going to get into the politics or the laws of it all. The truth of the matter is Kyrie Irving is not going to be available for home games moving forward. And that amounts to, I think, what, like eight games left on the season he's going to be available for. And this is right as the Nets are going on like a really bad losing streak. They like lost, what, 10 in a row at this point? I mean, it is – things are looking bad. The Nets are – the the Nets, you know, if if they don't put their act together, if they don't get their stuff together pretty soon, they could be in a space where where they're going to be in the play-in tournament, which is not something that I think anybody wanted them to be. That's definitely not somewhere where where they wanted to be, and I and I just don't know if they'll have it. The thing, the only good thing you can say about the Philadelphia 76ers is hopefully getting some shooting is going to make this team. Uh, better than they were last year because I'm just, and I'm going to be honest, I'm not trying to pile on to Ben Simmons. I know there's a lot of people who are saying that you can't say anything critical about Ben Simmons is shooting uh, because of whatever reason, right? But it's true. Ben Simmons can't shoot the ball. We haven't seen him this year. I hope he's gotten better because that would mean the Nets all have just run away with this. Actually, I don't hope he's gotten better. I'm a Cavs fan. My team actually has a chance this year. Um, But... Regardless of that, I mean, as far as who won this trade, this is a, one of those situations where it's it's so volatile, right, Andrew? It's so volatile with with Harden and what what he's been through over the past few years with demanding the trade, uh, actually not getting along with Chris Paul, and then Chris Paul getting traded away, and then not getting along with Russell Westbrook, and then him getting traded over to Brooklyn, and then you know not getting along with the coaching staff or whatever it was. It just doesn't seem to work. My only question is, how much longer until, you know, he says, ah, you know, Joe LMB, this guy, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. And then, you know, what? whatever, LA becomes his next first choice, right? Because he said that in the, conf- in the press conference. I mean, I don't know. I'm very skeptical about the James Harden thing at this point. It immediately makes them 
a better offense, but I don't know what that really does for them as far as team chemistry or, or what have you. I'm going to say the Nets for now because now I think KD and Kyrie can become more of the focus on the offense. You get a guy like Steph Curry, who I think is the most underrated guy in this trade. That dude is a machine. He, can, he can, When he gets hot, especially, uh, when he and when he's the pressure's off of him and he's got guys like KD to take the pressure off of him, I think he can do wonders for that Nets team. I'll say the Nets with an asterisk. We'll have to see what happens, obviously, but I'm going to go with the Nets for now. I have to also, but upon looking at the uh, current score right now, they are playing my New York Knicks, and they are down 31-18 to 18 in the first quarter. Look, so, and, um, and, and, and literally our franchise our franchise player is not playing, hasn't played the last few games, so that's, that's not a good look. They might end up winning the game anyway because the Knicks have been very good at giving games away, but not a good look. Yeah, I mean, I, this kind of gets into my next question, um, and this is more so about the Nets' uh, long-term, right, and, and kind of looking back at what they were, right? So the Brooklyn Nets, like, the Nets, the idea of the Brooklyn Nets when Kyrie and KD came over, right, it was to build a super team that was going to last and become similar to that LeBron James Miami team, right? Like the one that went to multiple finals, the the one that, you know, just was dominant over the NBA. Everyone knew they were going to go to the finals every year. But it looks like, right, it looks like they've kind of just become a bit of a sideshow at this point. Like, genuinely, they become a sideshow because I get it. The first year, KD's injured. Kyrie's kind of by himself. All right. Doesn't even count. And then last year happens, right? And what happens? You got the issues with Kyrie Irving going away from the team, not being communicative about it. And then, you know, the injuries, what have you. KD, one toe away from going to the finals, but it didn't happen. This year, the circus. The circus around Kyrie, the circus behind James Harden. And KD just looking like, like, I don't know, did you see that NBA on TNT, that draft they did for the All-Star game? Where, where, where KD, you could see, like, I've never seen someone so done, just so absolutely done with everything around him than KD was in that moment. Because he didn't even want to joke about it. He didn't pick James Harden. He, he just said, I want to move forward with the guys you got now. But he didn't say it in an inspiring way. He was just like, man, I'm just, I don't care at this point. That's what it seemed like to me. But what do you think he about that? He gave that big speech, too. He gave that big speech, yeah. too. He was like, we need we need size and everything like that. Like, he, and then you could even see on LeBron's face. Like, LeBron had to cover his face because he knew, like, oh, this dude is be, he's being petty as hell right now. And, like, you know, I don't blame him, though. You know, that's how KD is. That's how KD was. He's a very sensitive dude, you know. Um Hey, it is, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, I, I but you know what? I, I get where he's coming from though. Cause given James Harden's track record, I mean, I forgot. It might've been Barkley. Somebody called James Harden out on this shit years oh, ago. Did. Or, oh, I mean, Barkley they did were it like, on the show too, where, where he said, where he's like, oh, LeBron asked, is James Harden even available? Is he, isn't he injured? He's like, oh, he just got traded. He's not going to be injured anymore. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, and then Barkley, even KD had to laugh at that. Oh. But when you look at his track record, dude, it's like he, he gets traded out of OKC, becomes the guy in Houston. I don't know if he necessarily wanted to be the guy, but he got traded because more or less Oklahoma City was not going to pay him. Fair enough. Mm. Then he gets there and tells the GM, I want Dwight Howard. He goes and gets him Dwight Howard. That's not enough. 
Then he says, I want shooters. Gets rid of Dwight Howard. I want shooters. Goes and gets him all these shooters. He goes, I want Clint Capella. Draft Clint Capella. Develop Capella, everything like that. Then trades Capella. I want more shooters. Oh, no. Then, you know what? This isn't working out. Uh, I want Chris Paul. I think first first he goes, um, give me Russell Westbrook. I think the first thing he did was he was like, no, they traded Paul for Westbrook, right? So the first thing he did was, I want Chris Paul. And then they got him Chris Paul. And then that didn't work. So he was like, no, go get me Russell Westbrook. And they got him Russell Westbrook. And that didn't work. So, and then after a while, he just said, you know what? Like after he pretty much ran that Houston Rockets organization into the ground with all his demands, he goes, you know what? Screw it. Trade me. Send me somewhere where I'm going to win. And then what did he do? He kicked and screamed and pouted and he banged his head on the floor until blood came out of his ears. And he was like, I'm not going to play and force his way out of Brooklyn and to Philly. It's going to be the same shit. It's going to be and the then same Philly, shit. Oh, oh, he gets to Philly. There's this like clip of him being like, oh, you know, Philly was my first choice. And I'm just like, oh, all right. Yeah, really? Really? Yeah, uh-huh. really? Yeah, Philly really, was your really. first choice? Really? Like Philly wasn't even in play when that tr- when that trade went down. Like, come on. Like, I mean, it, it whatever, right? It, maybe he wanted to go to Philly. Like, of course, hey, who wouldn't want to go play with Joel Embiid, right? But I mean, it is just I, I just feel like at this point with Harden, especially, it's a track record, and I don't want to say that he's an unreliable player. He is not an unreliable player because when he plays, he does he can score, he can score, and he proved that he can run the point too. But what I will say is, long term, he's an unreliable teammate, and I think oh, that that yeah. is that is like going to be the biggest mark against him for his career because every big time teammate he's played against, he has either run out of town or he's just been so toxic that he had to run himself out of town. Like it, it is, it's just baffling to me that he that he could not of all the players. And this is the last thing I'll say, and then I'll let you have the final word on this, but. Of all the players that you can't get along with, you can't get along with Kevin Durant, the guy who is literally—I don't understand the patience that Kevin Durant has. Like honestly, I don't—I don't know who else has that level of patience in the entire world. This man like deserves a Nobel Peace Prize for keeping his his own like sanity and peace, dealing with all this crap that he deals with professionally on on, on and off the basketball court. I mean, it is just. I, I, I honestly can't believe that James Harden couldn't make it work with KD twice. Bro, Kevin Durant, like, everyone wants to shit on him, dude. This man had success with Russell Westbrook. Nobody, <laughs> nobody else in the league has been able to do that or say that, dude. Nobody else. This dude literally had success with, with Russell Westbrook. It's so true, though. Like, I mean, I love Westbrook, right? But I mean, like, even like in the Lakers, like they're not, they're whatever. Like, it is. I can't believe it, though. James Harden, how do you, how do you, how does James Harden just, whatever? I mean, he's a diva. He's a diva. He's what you think Odell Beckham Jr. is. I genuinely, I, I think he is what you think Odell is. If that makes sense to you. Mm. Nah, Odell is Nick Young to me. Oh, okay. That's not too bad then. No, that, that, hey. that, that's not good. That's not good. But hey, so Nick, Young had, Nick, Nick Young had elite potential that he just wasted. He blames well, the mean... Wizards. He blames the Wizards. And he blames Gilbert Arenas, his vet. But he's an adult. 
he he's he's partially to blame. Well, speaking of players, Andrew, who could not get along with uh, players, apparently, I mean, this is just this is another thing that that just baffles me. Kristaps Porzingis was traded, and I know you have a lot on your mind about this, but it was kind of part of this bigger picture kind of thing with the Washington Wizards, right? Uh, but uh, let's stick with Porzingis for a second, right? So Kristaps Porzingis was traded away from Dallas, and this 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 was after just three years of futility, not even a lie. After three years of futility, Christoph Porzingis finally made his exodus from Dallas. It is no secret that him and Luka apparently did not get along. It's no secret that Christoph Porzingis was the unicorn, and he embodied that because half the time he was not available, so you didn't see him. Thank you, Tim Legler. But, I mean, it is... It's crazy because when this trade went down a few years ago, there were a lot of people, myself included, who thought, oh, wow, the Mavs actually have a chance here to do something very special, to build something long-lasting. That's that's out of that's down. That's gone. Uh, so Porzingis is gone. He's going to the Wizards. Uh, Dinwiddie comes in. We'll get what, to what this means for Dallas. But, Andrew, I need to ask you, what went wrong for Porzingis in Dallas specifically? I don't know. I I I I I don't know. Like he barely ever played. He was always hurt. When he did play, he you know he'd put up a he'd put up like a Lonzo Ball triple single stat line. He's the tallest dude on the court. He's getting out rebounded sometimes by guards. Um, he has games some nights where it's like you're literally the tallest dude on the court, and yet your 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 stat line is like six points. You're like two two of 12 from the field or something like that. You know, guards are out rebounding you. You're not going to get assists, obviously. That's that's Luka. And it's like... And then you had the balls to, you know, sit there and talk shit about the Knicks and everything like that. And it's karma. Because I, I, I actually remember ever since that trade, I, I don't know. We have, our, we have a very good winning percentage against Dallas since that trade, by the way. Like, I don't know if we... We might be undefeated. We're not undefeated, but I'm pretty sure we might only have like one or two losses in the span of like the four years since since that trade went down. So, I mean, he's he's. I think he's another one, dude. His next stop when it doesn't work out because it's not going to work out in uh, Washington. His next stop is is going to be L.A., dude. His next stop is going to be out there with the Lakers. Yeah, I mean. Uh, for me, the biggest thing with Porzingis, the reason why this didn't work out was he was brought in. Porzingis was brought in to be the guy who could take pressure off of Luka Doncic in big moments. He was brought in to be the guy, oh, can he give me 20 and 10 off uh, as the second guy on this team? Can he fill that Robin to the Batman that is Luka? If he could fill that role, well, it would have been great. It would have been a great partnership. But I, I think that this didn't work for two reasons. One, I think Porzingis just was unable to fill that role. And it's because of injuries, it's because of attitude, it's because of, I also think, a little bit of just spite. I genuinely think there was a bit of spite there, because Luke, he got there when Luka was kind of like, you know, Luka had, had just won Rookie of the Year, people were like, oh man, this kid is really good, and then all of a sudden, Luka just becomes this dominant superstar, like... MVP level superstar that Porzingis in 
all due respect, will never achieve that level of stardom. He will never achieve that level of talent on the basketball court. And there was a little bit of spite there. And that kind of went into with the attitude, the fact that he wasn't playing well at a lot of times, especially in the playoffs. In the playoffs, it was just he disappeared. When, when Dallas needed him, he's like the Avatar. He's like Aang from Avatar The Last Airbender. When Dallas needed him most, he vanished. And he went away for 100 years in a block of ice with his giant bison, never to return again. It is, it's insane that this didn't work because if he had understood his role, I think it, it could have. I'm not blaming him for injuries. I'm not blaming him for maybe some of the schemes that, that Rick Carlisle was was doing because they, they, those weren't like perfect scheming. It wasn't perfect scheming all the time. Rick Carlisle, they, they should have they been, been making sure that he took pressure off of Luka throughout the season. They should have made sure that these two could play on the court at the same time throughout the season. Instead, they they would always split them up, which was so weird to me because you're going to need your best players playing together when the moment counts. You might as well get them used to it. And whenever the playoffs came around, it just seemed like, okay, Porzingis, you're a non-factor in this. It, it just ended up being Luka playing Luka ball and having to score 60 points a game, whatever he was doing, 60, 10, and 15 all that crap he was doing against the Clippers and then trying to will his team to a win, it it just didn't work. And I think it kind of proved you guys right. I think it proved a lot of Knicks fans right about Luka and, and or sorry, Porzingis, I should say, and what he really was this whole time. Yeah, I mean, injury prone, you know, exceptional talent, everything like that. But, you know, what good is talent if you if it's not, you know, on the court, if you can't, you know, use it. So, hey, there was a video of him uh, shooting from the bench or behind the bench in Washington. You know what? And frankly, I, I agree. He got so used to sitting on that thing, so used to sitting out there that he figures I'll shoot, start shooting from out there. And it is what it is. Wish him good luck in Washington, though. Wiz, Wiz got a squad. The Wiz do have a squad. They, they Kyle, Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma has been low, low, low key this year from time he's, to time. I mean, he's Kyle, Kyle Kuzma is a very solid player. I don't I don't understand why people were saying that he sucked. I never understood oh, be, that. Because they still think that this is uh, L.A. Laker, you know, stand in the corner and just shoot three threes a game because love, you play with LeBron. They still think that's that Kyle Kuzma. They don't realize this is the, nah, you're going to get your 10 to 15 shots a game because you're the guy, Kyle Kuzma. That's fair. That's fair. You know what else is fair? You guys, if you hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. We've got daily videos on the NBA, the MLB, and much more. www.youtube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Speaking of the Wizards, Andrew, the Wizards cleaned house in a big way, in an absolutely massive way, by getting rid of most uh, every outside of Kyle Kuzma, everyone who mattered <laughs> on that team. Uh, but let's talk about it. Uh, so the Washington Wizards made a number of key trades at the trade deadline. Arrivals, we have Kristaps Porzingis, Vernon Carey, Ish Smith, departure, Spencer Dinwiddie, which I think was a big loss for them. And, of course, the biggest loss, you could argue, Montrez Harrell. This also coming at the same time where Bradley Beal has gone. He's been shut down for the rest of the season with an injury. And him himself and the Wizards have been talking about his future 
And that's basically code at this point for it looks like Bradley Beal is going to be gone relatively soon. Andrew, what do these moves mean for the Wizards and where do they go from here? The Wizards are in a weird spot because I feel like, you know, they're, I think they're in last place, either second to last or in last place in that division. Um, they're on the outside looking in, but I do think that they were trying to make a potential run at the playing tournament or maybe like the, the one of those, you know, they're not going to get a top four, but potentially that five or six seed given how much time is left in the season. But um, this thing was more about Dallas. That's why Dallas went out. You know, Dallas wanted to shore up. Dallas wanted to get another guy, proven scorer. That's why they went out and got Dinwiddie. They wanted to go out and get a dog, which is what you're getting in Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell is the kind of dude where he's not going to demand the ball. He's not, you know, sitting there saying, give me the ball so I could shoot. He's the kind of dude saying, nah, you shoot. I want these rebounds. And you need guys like that on your team. So the direction that the Wizards are in. The Wizards are in a, I mean, what else is new? They're in a very weird spot right now because despite the fact, it doesn't help with the Bradley Beal getting shut down for the rest of the year. They're in a really weird spot because, I mean, do I think that Kyle Kuzma can carry them? Uh, Short term, maybe. But for the long term, you know, they might get one of those, you know, between 10 to 7. But I think that's what they're aiming for at this point. You know, they're just, you know, maybe get into the dance. And if not, you know, they set themselves up. They did bring in Vernon Carey, who's young. Uh, Ish Smith is somebody who they're also very familiar with. He's been he's been a journeyman. I think he has been in Washington before. Um, but they're banking on Porzingis. They're banking on the talent. They're banking on the fact that, you know, even though he can't be on the field, they're taking the approach where, hey, you know what? When you are on the court, you know, you are capable of this. Now their whole thing is just let's get you on the court and then keep you on the court. So that's the approach the Wizards are taking. They're banking on a broke-ass bank because it, it, it. I don't see Kristaps Porzingis being the thing that's going to put lifeblood, this, this, the new energy into this team. Uh, I, the, losing Montrezl Harrell was the biggest thing that stood out to me. And I really do think that it's it, it is signaling the changing of the guard because Montrez Harold wasn't he wasn't a guy who was, you know, he wasn't like the best player on the team, right? But he arguably was the most important because he was a guy who was a bit of a locker room guy. He was a guy who was going to give that veteran leadership. And what this is telling me is the Wizards are either expecting Kristaps Porzingis to step up and become the next leader of this team, which I don't see that happening. But or, or they are going to move into a direction where it's more so of a rebuild, something that they've honestly been putting off for too long. They've been putting off this rebuild for almost almost seven years. Like, literally, I think you and I were talking about this our freshman year of college, how, man, John Wall and, and uh, all these guys, Bradley Beal, it's just not working. Whatever it is, it's just not working. I think they're in a similar situation. They were, I should say, in a similar situation that Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum were, where these are two really good players, one of them great, right? But together on that team, the way it's constructed, it's just not going to work. And I think finally, after all those years, they're going to listen to Simon's advice. You remember Simon's song that he sung to us that one time? It's like, Bradley Beal. Don't play him. He don't want to be played. Don't play him. He don't want to be played. Just trade him. He don't want to be played. Just trade him. That's what they're going to do. They got to do it. It's for the betterment of the team. Get what you can. 
do a full rebuild, whatever. You got to take Kristaps Porzingis' salary. All right, whatever. But you, they have to go in that direction. It's just what's better for the franchise. It just didn't work. They need to accept that it didn't work and move on genuinely because there's I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I like there's a lot of Wizards fans who are going to tell me that oh, you know, if they do this and that. I'm like, no, th- there is it's not even like the Knicks. The Knicks have a light in RJ Barrett. They have this guy who is going to who is just a budding superstar who's going to take them to the next level one day. But with this team, I like like don't get me wrong, I like Ish Smith. I like uh uh uh, uh Kyle Kuzma, but they're not that guy. And they're going to need that guy. And the only way they're going to get him anytime soon is through the draft. So my advice to the Wizards, tank. Tank like your life depends on it. Because if you're a GM there, if you're a coach there, you're damn right it does. Your livelihood does anyway. Pretty much. I mean, at this point, that that's kind of what the Wizards have to do. I mean, the whole Bradley Beal thing. How many years now has he been shut down because of injury? I mean, at this point, you know, just maybe move on. They already moved on from John Wall years ago. Uh, move on for Bradley Beal. You know, yeah, we saw Portland. Portland broke it up. Portland finally said, you know what? Hey, it's just, you know, we got these two stud guards, but, you know, it's just not working. And they already – and they, but Portland also made sure they had another one in Amphrey, uh Simons. They already made yeah. sure they had another one, like, already in the waiting to take over for CJ. So, I mean, I guess maybe that's what the Wizards could look for. They got – the Wizards got a draft. Like, they got to start hitting on some of these draft picks, though. I mean, it's very – Jan Vesely, baby. Jan Vesely. Drafting is so, dude, drafting is so like, it's, it's a lost. It's something that, you know, we look at it as like, you know, like, oh, like, you know, the big names, you know, which this player was this, which player is going to help this team, which player can come in, which player can become a superstar and everything like that. But it's like, listen, you know, the way that some of the San Antonio, for example, they had their dynasty and everything like that. Obviously, yes, they did have the number one draft pick in Tim Duncan. Look at everybody else on those rosters, though, dude. Second round pick turns into Manu a Hall Ginobili. of Famer. Second round pick turns into a Hall of Famer. They undrafted dudes turn into Hall of Famers on that team. So it's like, you know, you got to, after a while, that's what you, you know, when you're a small market like that, you know, you got to draft well because you draft well, you establish, look, look at Phoenix, dude. Look at what Phoenix did. Everyone clowned Phoenix for so long and Devin Booker and all this, you know. They struck gold with Devin Booker, had the number one pick, struck gold with DeAndre Ayton, you know, brought in the Cam Johnsons. Um, they brought in, got, you know, and then after they, you know, became one of those teams, they go, now we just need a legitimate point guard, a proven leader, a, you know, first ballot dude that can still do it, that's going to put us over the top and get us there. That's what they did and went out and got Chris Paul. That's what something the Wizards got to do. They got to draft well. You know, they got to... And I know it's easier said than done and everything like that. And, you know, I could talk because we actually, for the first time in a long time, have a fucking front office that can, you know, find studs in the second round like Mitchell Robinson and guys like that. But that's what the Wizards got to do. You know, it's I, I, a lot of people make a big deal when it comes to the draft. It's all about, you know, like, oh, like, which one's going to get drafted number one? Which one's going to get drafted number two? Which one? Nah, it's you want consistency. You know, if you want to really be be that team and you want to really, you know, establish your foundation with talent and with a culture. It's all about, you know, yes, the high draft picks. Those are obviously talented key guys, but you know, 15 through 60, those are where you're going to find the dude that's going to, you know, win you the chip one through 14. You'll find a franchise cornerstone one through 14. 
You, you could find one 15 to 60, but those guys you draft 15 to 60, if you hit on those more times than not, you're going to be successful. So that's what they have to do. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Guys, hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. We wish the Washington Wizards nothing but success, uh, especially me because they are the closest basketball team to me, and I kind of want to see them do well. I, I would lo- like to go to a game that matters. Although, I'm not going to lie, those Cavs-Wizards tickets, those that was some ch- cheap tickets. It's really cheap to see my team in D.C. Um, <laughs> guys, so let me know in the chat where, where your favorite team is from. Hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. We got Cincy Edits in the chat saying L Rams. I'm so sorry for that Super Bowl loss. Although I did have nothing to do with it. Actually, I'm not really sorry. Sucks to be you, right, Cincy? Uh, but welcome back to the chat. Always good to see you. Um, let's move on, Andrew. Let's move shift a little bit away from basketball. We'll come back and talk about basketball in just a little bit. But we got some big news out of Major League Baseball. Uh, your former guy, Matt Harvey, is in some hot water, Drew. You want to talk about this? No. No, I, he, he, his fall from grace, just his, his original fall from grace. It was too much for me. I was the big dark Knight fan. I, I, I I don't want to, I don't want to No, It's, it's already, I feel like I just be adding fuel to the fire. I, that's why we're here. And cause we're going to talk about him. Hey, Hey man, if Matt Harvey cannot find a team willing to sign him, he could immediately be suspended or sorry, if he can find a team. Even if Matt Har- Harvey finds a team that's willing to sign him, he's probably going to be expen- suspended for at least 60 days after saying on record that he provided opioids to Tyler Skaggs on several occasions. He told Major League Baseball officials, this is just, uh, I mean, it- it's not even something you want to make fun of, obviously. It's not something you want to make fun of. This is like a very sad scenario Tyler Skaggs for those of you those of you don't know former Arizona Diamondbacks uh pitcher former uh Los Angeles Angels pitcher as well who died after the overdosing in his hotel room I believe and it it is just 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 very sad to hear this uh Harvey's admission in federal court on Tuesday qualifies as distribution under MLB's drug policy and Harvey's currently a free agent obviously would be able to appeal the suspension I don't think he should Uh, Here's a quote from the MLB on this quote. Once the trial is complete, MLB will conduct a comprehensive review of the potential violations and our drug program. We talked about Tyler Skaggs and, and, and what he, and what he represents and all that stuff before. And this admission from Matt Harvey, it's just, it's weird because it's haunting on one level, but it's also just unbelievable that, that this could happen. But what do you got to say? Uh, I mean, I love Harvey as a baseball player and everything like that. <laughs> he obviously fell from grace. He went from the Mets, somehow I think ended up in Anaheim. Recently, he was in Baltimore, which nothing for nothing to do. But once 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 you end up with the Baltimore Orioles, I mean that's 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 the equivalent of like you know, oh, yeah. just you got having a sign with the Jets. It's. It's just sad. And then to hear this, I mean, everything like that, like, you know, his name was kind of already tarnished given his fall as a baseball player, this stuff, this off the field stuff and everything like that. Like the Tyler Skaggs thing was a big deal. Like when that news broke, like that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And for this to come out and to him to be that closely, like directly related to it, it's just, it's not a good look and everything like that. And I hope for the best for Matt Harvey, but I mean, it's just, it's not looking good for, it's not looking good for my dude. It's really not looking good for my dude. Yeah. I mean, the, the legal 
ramifications of this aside i i mean like and that that's like probably the biggest thing i mean the the legal and ethical stuff that's coming out of this i mean you know and, and we don't know whether it was you know i don't think it was matt harvey who provided the stuff that he uh ended up dying with uh but i mean still it is just haunting man like that's the only word that comes to mind when i think about this it's just haunting because the the skaggs thing like you said was so big when when, when tyler skaggs died it, it sent shockwaves throughout the entire baseball world because it, it really because it happened basically on on the team's watch it happened on the team's watch and apparently no one knew that this was happening which is such bullshit because you because it's i understand that I, like i'm sure there were people who obviously didn't know it right andrew i'm sure there were people who didn't know that, that this was a thing but at the same time the fact that there were there was at least one player who was who was in major league baseball who was part of distributing opioids to other players and skaggs is the one we know we don't know you know and i'm not saying he did or didn't but we don't know who else is out there doing this kind of stuff it is it it, it just proves to you man that Somewhere or another, like like the these drug programs, these drug tests that that, that these players go through, we all know they're not. They're, we all know they're bullshit. Like genuinely, we all know that. Like forget steroids, but like we all know it's it's all it's all just for show. I mean, it's so it's baffling to me. Pat McAfee literally admits right on his show every day that like yeah, dude, I smoke weed and you're there's ways to get out of drug tests and blah blah. He like half of his show. <laughs> Like half of his show half the time is just him talking about how he eluded drug testing in the NFL and how easy it was at some points, right? And it and you know, it goes for other major league sports as well. I mean, they need to look, and I'm not saying don't do it like weed is just like that they shouldn't be testing for that anyway, because it's I'd rather have players smoking weed than actually like putting like harmful opioids and, and all that other stuff in their bodies, right? Like like painkillers. Like, no, you can get addicted to that stuff. I mean, um, some could argue the 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 uh, the cocaine. Some could argue that made Lawrence Taylor better on the I field. Mean, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I, I but I mean, okay, uh, but uh, I mean, not off the field though. Definitely not no. off the field. Uh, but it, 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 but just just to put a bow on it, I mean, it is just the 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 MLB, the NBA, the NFL. They really need to rethink this kind of stuff, man. Uh, like. And you're right, Matt Harvey is a fall from grace, and not a lot of people are going to look at him the same. And it's because, and again, it's not that he killed him, but the fact that he was involved in some way uh, in, in distributing drugs to Tyler Skaggs, it's, it's going to be a big asterisk on his name for the rest of his career, as far as baseball fans go. Assuming he There's has a career. shame, too. I mean, it really is a shame. I, it might be done at this point. How old is Harvey? I think Harvey's pushing. He's pushing 32. He's yeah. not exactly the youngest of guys and everything like that. And just given his track record, his fall from grace, you know, I mean, this is around the age where players, you know, it's either like, you know, if they're still serviceable, um, they could latch on to a good team if they're still serviceable. He hasn't really been, you know, the player that he once was. He has been a shell. He hasn't even been a shell of the player he once was, like, the numbers have not, you know, been that great. So, I mean, and then just given this and everything like that, you know, he, it, it might be it. Like, it, it, this might be it. He, it might just be time for him to call it quits. You know, he had a very good start to his career. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere, uh, fell from grace, and then this just kind of made it worse. Like, this could be his, you know, 
that's how he's going to go out. Uh, it's a shame because, you know, one of my favorite players, especially when we had him, dude. Dude was a stud. It's a shame, dude. It's unfortunately the way things go. You can only hope for the best for everyone involved. Uh, we got a few chats here. Since he edits in this in the chat says MLB ain't never gonna come back. It feels like uh, it, it, MLB ain't never gonna come back. So him being suspended ain't gonna matter. I mean that's very possible. Well, your your uh your thing is trippy. Your like background it's trippy. Yeah, you're like a floating head half oh, the time. Oh oh, this is just on a different note. Did you hear Tyreek Evans got reinstated the other day? I I remember him getting suspended. I but that was like years ago. Wait, when did he get suspended? He got suspended like three years ago, and I think as of like either yesterday or Monday, he is no longer suspended. He is free to sign as of tomorrow with an NBA team. He was banned on the Lakers. for two years. He was banned for two years. Oh my god! Oh yeah. Oh my god! Wow! I dude! Oh my god! Tyreek Evans. That's a name that like. It's another one. Just absolutely slipped my mind for years i was like the second he got suspended from the nba i was just like oh all right cool boom done like you're you're out of my you're out like my brain needs to make room for more for more players well, he was he was supposed to be like the guy like he was like the sacramento In kings sacramento. dude he was supposed to be like the guy like they have darren fox now he was supposed to be darren fox for that team before darren fox but now they have De'Aaron Fox, and the Kings are another one, dude. Sacramento. Um, well, I really I mean, want to see that team make the playoffs, just because it's been it, 2006 was the last time they made the playoffs. They played the Spurs in the first round. I feel like small markets like that in the playoffs, like that playoff atmosphere, that home playoff atmosphere, will probably be electric mm-hmm. because it's a small market, and they literally have like, I guess. However many people in Sacramento actually root for the Kings behind them. I mean, it, well, you saw what happened last year. I mean, the, the reason I love like like these not like L.A. New York teams winning is because, dude, like the the joy, the joy is so real on the face of the fans. Like remember when Toronto won it, and I know that's not you can't really call the Raptors' market a small market because it's an entire country of like. Like whatever million people. Some could argue that's the biggest. Some could argue that's the biggest market in basketball. I think you could argue it, it, it's true. Yeah. It is. It is the biggest market in basketball. But I mean, I mean, even them. But they're like a less notorious market. Like everyone thinks big market: New York, Miami, and uh, L.A. Right? Those are the big market teams. Then you got might get like okay, someone will put like Chicago in there as well. Okay. Houston, maybe. Ah, I mean, maybe. What are the Rockets gonna do without uh without Hakeem? Anyway, but. But it, it, my point is, like, seeing the Bucks win, seeing teams like teams you don't see win markets, you don't see an emphasis put on because, like, like I'm not even gonna lie to you, bro. Gian- Giannis might be one of, if not the best player of this current crop of generation, like this current generation. But the reason we don't talk about him as much as we probably should, and the reason we don't talk about his dominance, is because he's in Milwaukee. Because you know damn well if Giannis was playing for the Clippers in L.A. Whole different story. Clippers would be ruling the media narrative. You know damn well if Toronto, if, if if he was sorry in New York playing for your Knicks or playing for the Brooklyn Nets. Oh my God, it's Giannis talk. What's Giannis doing? Where's Giannis at? Why is he doing this? We got you'll have Giannis haters because that's all the media would want to talk about. But he's in Milwaukee, so you only hear about him when he wins or when he loses, talking about how he needs to leave. 
Milwaukee. Same thing happened with Kawhi in Toronto. Same thing's been happening to all these lesser notorious markets, right? And I, I think it's great to see a team like uh, like like the the Bucks win it because it does give hope to these smaller markets. It's great to see teams like the Cleveland Cavaliers without LeBron James actually doing well because that's another thing. That's a homegrown team. That's a homegrown team that, again, on paper, I'm going to say it. That my team should not work together on paper. It doesn't make too much sense, but they do. It is what it is. I'm not going to fight it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think – but it's so weird. The NBA doesn't even incentivize that anymore, though. They, they want super teams. They want more super teams. And it's weird, too, because, like, the reason why I bring up, like, you have, like – I want to see Sacramento make a playoff so badly is just because, like, we're going we're gonna to get home court. Like, home court advantages now, like, this year, like, fans are going to be back in the seats and everything right now, right? Small market have more of a home court advantage than big market teams. What I mean is, I don't know if you've ever noticed how, like, when the Knicks play a home game at MSG, yeah, it's a home game, but how many times does the opposing team's best player decide to have the game of his life in MSG? How many times does the other team's best player go out to L.A. and drop 40 or 30 on the Lakers? Like, is it really a home court? Like, home court is like, Remember, like, Oklahoma City, how, like, when Oklahoma City was good, if oh, you had to play in a away game, like, you were not go Golden State, go when the year Golden State won 73 games, they went into Oklahoma City for the Western Conference Finals. I do understand they won the series in seven games. Games three and four, they got absolutely run off the fucking court. I'm talking lost by fucking 40. Like, because they went up against a team with a home court, you got those small market teams, the home court advantage and everything like that. That's what I think you'd get out of Sacramento. Memphis. You're going to see Memphis. Memphis is going to be fucking wild when they get to the playoffs because they're going to get home court in the first round because they're probably going to be one of those top four seeds. You're going to see that fan base, that atmosphere is going to be fucking electric. And that's what I want to see out of Sacramento because Sacramento for the longest time, they've been so bad for so long. I really feel like that could be, and I want to see De'Aaron Fox so bad. Like We saw pretty much the entire career of Jamarcus Cousins get wasted in Sacramento. Um, I don't want to see it happen to De'Aaron Fox, dude. I really, I really, you know, I really don't want to see it happen to De'Aaron Fox because he's De'Aaron Fox, dude, De'Aaron Fox, one of your average, I think last year, it was the last year, the year before he averaged like 27 a game. Nobody talked about it because the Kings were so bad. He's averaging well, like 25 this year and nobody well, talks about it. Well, he's definitely going to be getting some help after the Kings made these big trades at the trade deadline. So arriving to Sacramento are Demonis Sabonis, Dante, I'm not going to try to say his last name, Justin Holliday. DiVincenzo. There we go, DiVincenzo, Gabagool, huh? Uh, Josh Jackson, Jeremy Lamb, and Trey Lyles. Departing from, the, from uh, the Kings is Tyrese Halliburton, a guy who I thought had a lot of potential, Tristan Thompson, and Buddy Heald are gone from Sacramento. These are some big-time moves for Sacramento. But is it enough, Andrew, do you think, for them to at least make that push to become a real playoff contender? I do think it is, only because, you know, they have another scorer. Getting a guy like Sabonis, Sabonis is to them what Marvin Bagley was supposed to be, which is a guy that can go out. He might not be, like, I'm not going to say they're both elite rim protectors. Like, I'm not going to say Bagley is an elite rim protector. Definitely a better defensive player than Sabonis. But Sabonis, you know what you're getting. He's going to give you 20, 25, and, uh, 20, 25 points every night, and you're going to get 10 to 12 rebounds. You're, you know you're getting that. To go along with De'Aaron Fox, 
with those other pieces. Jeremy Lamb is good for giving you 10 to 12. All those other pieces that they bought in, you know, Dante is a solid role player. He's more of a defensive player, three and D kind of player. That's more or less what they were going for. They were going for basically getting another guy that could go give them 20 when they need it to kind of take a little bit of the pressure off of Harrison Barnes, take a little bit of the pressure off of De'Aaron Fox. It did cost them Tyrese Halliburton, but you know what? I think playing alongside uh, De'Aaron Fox was actually holding Halliburton back. And I think Halliburton is going to get more of an opportunity in Indiana now and down the road, especially because they're going to move on from Malcolm Brogdon. They're going to move on Mm. from Malcolm Brogdon. They kind of already have... They kind of already have Malcolm the greatest replacement. The greatest rookie of the year of all time. <laughs> yeah. They kind of, you know, they've already got Brogdon's replacement out in Indiana in uh, that kid Duarte. So they're going to have to move on, but they need a franchise point guard. That's what they finally have in Indiana. They have a franchise point guard, and they're going to build around that. They still have Miles Turner. You know, obviously Tristan Thompson is not, you know, he, he can get rebounds and he, set he, screens. He, he can get he can get rebounds and and cheat on his girlfriend like it's nobody's business. And he sets a mean ass screen. I'm not saying it's on the Stephen Adams type level, but he sets a mean ass screen. Uh, and Buddy Heald, dude, Buddy Heald is one of those dudes. The Lakers wanted Buddy Heald for a reason because mm-hmm. that dude, he's another one, dude. You blink your eye, Duke could go drop twenty on you, hit seven threes, and you know he's one of those dudes. So Indiana is kind of like setting themselves up for the future with the acquisitions that they made. And Sacramento was taking the approach of like, we want to give ourselves an opportunity to compete right now while still being young enough to have a future. And that's what they did. So I think the future is actually going to be pretty bright in Sacramento. Obviously it's hard in the West, but you know, Portland, Portland blew it up. The Lakers, I don't know what's going to happen with them. Um, and then you obviously have, you know, Zion. The Clippers, the Clippers aren't doing anything. Like the Zion Mavs. is apparently having foot surgery again. Zion, I, I, at this point, I think Zion is just, he's doing everything in his power to not play for, because every time I every time I look up, it's another, oh yeah, he had another setback in his rehab. It's like, is did he really, or does he really just not want to wear that New Orleans jersey? Is that really what this is? He, I've he never seen that. somebody, my like man, I've never seen man. somebody get hurt that much rehabbing like the whole point of rehab is to make sure you don't get hurt again or the whole point of rehab is to like you know make sure build up the strength so that you know you'll be able to play i've never seen somebody get hurt this number of times while rehabbing the way zion has you know i read i read the injury report that zion was on uh like just a few days ago and it said he was out for lunch (laughs) like that like that man is like i mean it's just I'm concerned. I'm genuinely concerned for Zion. Like, I'm like, dude, like, for your health, my G. Like, forget forget basketball. I'm like, dude, for your health, like, come on now. I really hope he's not another Renardo Sidney because Renardo Sidney oh. was Renardo Sidney. Renardo Sidney was the number one high school basketball player in the country coming out, went to Louisville. Renardo Sidney's problem was Renardo Sidney, um, he, he loved to eat, and he couldn't stay in shape. Because he couldn't stay in shape, he was always three bills, and – his career was cut short because he just couldn't, you know, he wasn't healthy enough to play basketball. I don't want to see that happen to Zion. Big, big, like it's like Jared Lorenzen. You remember Jared Lorenzen, the quarterback, the hefty lefty RIP Jared Lorenzen, man. Like he was, he had an arm. That dude had an arm. He just, he just really needed to keep the weight down. Jamarcus Russell too. Oh my God. I mean, that was just, he was, he, he was cocky about it though. Jamarcus Russell was like, yeah, I'm fat. So but what? that's the thing, though. That's the thing, though. I mean, with the Western Conference, you know, you got 
I, I mean, you got teams in the West that are just, you know, they since day one, it was, you know, the fucking uh, who was it? The Oklahoma City. Yeah, no, they're 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 playing for a draft spot. Oklahoma City, like they're developing the young pieces. They're playing for a draft spot. New Orleans, uh, Zion is doing everything in his power to make sure he doesn't suit up for them. So yeah. there's that. Yeah, there there's that. Houston, Houston's another one. I don't know. Houston's just playing for a draft spot. Sa- San Antonio. I mean, because those other teams are so bad, San Antonio, who really is not that good of a team, actually has a chance to sneak in as the 7 to 10 just because those other teams are so bad. And Sacramento's the same deal. Portland blew it up. I mean, you saw Portland just blew it up. So there's going to be an opportunity for Sacramento, and hopefully Sacramento can, you know, I want to see Sacramento maybe be like last year's Memphis team where Mm. just give them a chance. You just need a two-game win streak. You get that 7 to 10, two-game win streak, hey, you're in. The big thing about the NBA that people forget, the big thing about sports in general and winning a championship, you'll never know if you don't try. At least the Kings are trying. At least they are attempting to make a better team, which is a lot more than you can say about some teams. You could argue some teams just need to be abolished. Um, but guys, let us know what you guys think in the chat. Hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. We got some chats from Cincy. Cincy says, wait, Lawrence Taylor did coke? <laughs> is that a serious question? Of course he did. Of course he did. Of course he did. Watch the replacements. Like you watch watch that movie or not the replacement? What was it? Uh, Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. He definitely did coke. Uh, is he admitted to doing it? Um, since he also says, I forgot about Tyreek Evans. IDK, how they traded healed. He's been good. Buddy healed looks good in a Pacers jersey. I mean, it, it's funny. He's a good player. He's a really good player. There's a reason the Lakers wanted him. So I feel bad he did lie him. about his age, though. That man was a whole 26 telling people he was 22. I mean, it, it's not worse than Albert Pujols <laughs> being like... What, what, Albert Pujols, isn't Albert Pujols like seven years older than he actually is? Or, or whatever. Or A bunch of dudes did that. Who was it? A bunch of dudes did that. Um, uh, Remember that dude E.G. and Leon? Yeah. <laughs> dude, that dude was like seven years older than he, oh than he claimed to be he on draft night. Oh my god. Oh my god! I they mean, thought they were drafting a twenty-one-year-old. No, that dude was like almost thirty. He was like damn near pushing thirty. Yeah, I mean, no wonder hey, he was so polished. Say what you want about Brandon Whedon. At least he didn't lie about his age in the NFL draft. He's like, I am going to, and he got drafted. How? Wow! How wasn't Brandon Whedon like twenty-eight when he got drafted by the by the Browns? Yeah, something like that. It, <laughs> Brandon Whedon, man, he, he, I love it. He 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 played the game the right way, and he's still. <laughs> got drafted he got his back can't hate on it can't hate on it the browns just giving money away to quarterbacks that's what they do oh man guys let's keep it going uh oh since he also says zion seems like a bust right now zion seems like the eddie lacy of the nfl that's i mean yeah honestly at this point yeah i mean he i've never seen a dude i've never seen dude I'm talking like I understand, you know. Okay, after you rehab, you get back on the court, dude. He's getting hurt during his rehab sessions. Like I've never seen. This is multiple times this has happened too. Like where he's at multiple setbacks. They need to his find rehab. a different trainer. They need to find a different trainer. Like I'm this is you, just, not normal. At at this point, I, I'm telling you, he's doing everything in his power to, to not wear that New Orleans jersey. I think that's all. That's what it is at this point. Like. 
Yeah. Cause you know, he's definitely got people in his corner telling him like, listen, like, you know, we don't want to be here. We're just doing everything on our power. Like, you know, we're just, we're doing everything and just, just get the hell, just get the bag and then get the hell out of here. My like, thing that's- is though, my thing is though, Drew, like, he needs to be ready when that happens, though. Like, he, like he's not ready. He's not ready to play for the Lakers or the Nets or whoever's gonna really trade for him, right? He's not ready. The dude's still gonna be like three hundred pounds and 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 slow and hurt. <laughs> like, like, this just he's just gonna be sad. Like, come on, Zion, so much potential. I remember Zion was like, like just a beast. He was a beast, and now he's a feast. Come on, dude. Come on, dude. <laughs> we love you, Zion. Who was it? Was it was it was it Ty? Was it uh one of the dudes on the McAfee show? They asked Shams. They were like, what did he say? He was like, I mean, at this point, wouldn't it be the best for just because it's go it, it, the game is slowly trying to go back to 90s rules. I mean, wouldn't it be best to just have him bulk up to like 600 pounds and just bulldoze? <laughs> like at this point, like I mean, hey, if I hey, that would. I mean, I don't know about you. Speaking of going back to rules, look, I'm not saying that they should go back to the rules of 2009 for the NFL, but I watched that 2009 Super Bowl. Like, it, it, like it was on NFL Network. I just had it on the background, right? But then I found myself just watching the game for some reason, right? Like that was the Steelers Cardinals. Steelers Cardinals, yes, yeah, I remember. Yeah. So, 2008 so season, yeah, 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 2009 Super Bowl. So I'm watching. I suppressed it, right? that one too. I suppressed that one too. So I'm Proceed. watching this. I'm watching this, right? And I am seeing like hits that I'm just like, oh shit! And these are like normal hits, and I'm just like, yo, like, like again, I I am not saying that the NFL needs to bring back like all like the head helmet helmet stuff, but I'm just like, that game was that game was fun to watch, even though it was like terrible for the players or whatever. I'm just like, oh, that that's like that's a different breed of football. That's a different breed of football. Like, people, I think people, like, people who say, like, you know, oh, like, the rules, like, they don't really affect, like, the games or whatever. I'm like, yeah, there's still going to be great players. Like, great players are still going to be great, right? But, like, there's, it's a different gear. Like, it's a different gear. It's a different game, really. Well, it was funny because I think somebody made a comment where they were like, take the greatest all, the greatest offense ever, which was uh, one of those Kansas City teams. It might have been 2019 or 2020 Kansas City and put them up against the 85 Bears. And I saw people saying like, well, I want to see, you know, what would happen. I want to see somebody from the 80s try to cover Tyreek Hill. And I'm like, listen, I don't think you understand. Like, yeah, they might not be able to catch Tyreek Hill, but the minute Tyreek Hill comes across the middle, he's going to get fucking destroyed. Like, they're going to fucking level him. And that's just a regular, like, like uh, they're going to hit him in today's NFL. It's 15 and then some yards. They're just, he's going to get hit and he might not get back up. Like that's, that's the difference between back then and today. See, I think it it would be interesting because like, you're right. You're right. Like Tyreek Hill is going to be, he's little, like people, people, like he's a little guy. I'm not saying he's not strong or whatever, but he's fast as hell. He's a little dude. Those are some big players. Like, and I'm not saying this, like Tyreek Hill very well could, if they game planned it right, if they, if it was the 85 Baird versus the, the. 2018 Chiefs, right? There's a way to game plan it where Tyreek Hill doesn't go through the middle of the field and he just runs streaks and he, he's gonna run past a lot of those corners. Like, like I like if we're being honest. Uh, but it only takes one hit from like Mike Singletary or J, or or, J, or butt kiss in the middle of the field. Oh, he's done. He's done. Like Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey would fight through that stuff. 
Like, it'd be the last game he ever played, but he'd fight through that stuff. Uh, I mean, it, but it is a different game, uh, I, and it would be an interesting matchup, though. It genuinely would be, but it, it's, it's... I forgot so who was it. I saw Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp was having a conversation with Ray Lewis uh, a couple years ago, and they asked, uh, they were like, how did you guys go about neutralizing quarterbacks? And Shannon Sharp just bluntly said, he was like, oh, we heard him. We, we, that, that's what we, we heard him. That, that's what we did. He was like, Keely Smith? Oh, yeah. They were like, oh, yeah, you get one of these guys like, you know, Ray back then. You got a Von Miller. If Von Miller was allowed to hit a guy the way Ray Lewis and those guys were allowed to hit in the early 2000s, oh, yeah, they could, you know, a Von Miller, Khalil Mack. Oh, they, they could knock a Tom Brady. They could knock Mahomes out of the game in the first quarter. It's part of the, It was part of the game. It was literally yeah. a strategy in the game. Knock out the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Why did you think Achilles just... Smith failed? Wasn't in the AFC North, the AFC Central. Sorry, the AFC Central. Because like, not only was he going up against the Ravens, the Steelers, he was going up against the Titans. He was going up against yeah. like, oh, those, those are some the Colts. Tough teams. I think the Colts were in that too. Jacksonville, dude. Jacksonville, the oh, fucking the year late... the Titans went to the Super Bowl. The late nineties, dude. Jacksonville those was like fifteen to one. The year Yo, that the Titans went to the Super Bowl, Jacksonville was like fifteen to one that year or something like big that. Shout and they out fucked, to and Mike, they beat everybody. Uh, what was his name? Mike Brunel. Mark. Mar Mark Brunel, I think that was his name, right? The coach? No, 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 no. The quarterback. It was GM? Mark Brunel, oh, right? Yeah. No, yeah, no. The coach was, uh, was uh, what's his name? Tom Coughlin. That was, Coughlin, yeah. Coughlin was the coach. Oh man, yeah. Oh wow! Big shout out to Mike Br Mark Brunel. Sorry, Mark Brunel. He is now the quarterback coach for the Detroit Lions. He's out there with. Oh, by the way, the Lions. They got. I mean, I don't care what anyone says. Like, bro, DC. I, like, he is, he is, like, he is, I think I said this, he's like the exact opposite of Urban Meyer in almost every way, right? He's the polar opposite of Urban Meyer in almost every way. Because Urban Meyer came in and, like, started, wanted to, like, change the culture of Jacksonville to this militaristic I'm in charge, college type of culture, right? Which works in college because the kids are scared of the control that they have over, or you have over them, right? But with the NFL, it's like, dog, dog, these are pros. These are not, you're not a coach. You're not trying to coach these players necessarily as much as you're trying to game plan and strategize. These are your peers. It's like an office. They're a different department, same level as you, dog. And he didn't see that. DC sees that. And here's the thing. A coach like Dan Campbell, what makes him so effective is the fact that he understands the relationship you're supposed to have with your players and how you're supposed to treat them. And the team feeds off of it, and it's created a culture where they're willing to run through a brick wall if, it if that's what it takes to win for that guy. Because week after week, he's like he took all the blame. Week after week, he was in tears after the game. Literally, he... I mean, look, Justin Tucker hits a 66-yard field goal. It ties an NFL record indoors to win a game against you. I'd cry, too, if I was on the other end of that team. I, I mean, like, what more can you do? Like, you, they, they should have won that game. But, yeah, Tucker. Um, but, you know, it, it's just such a dichotomy. It's such a difference. Like, everyone was like, oh, Urban Meyer is going to work in the NFL. And, like, even you and I, I think you and I were on there saying, like, Man, this could go one of two ways with Urban Meyer. And one of them is just he's one and done. He didn't even make it a year. He no. didn't even make it a year. 
The other way it could have went, which is what a lot of people were expecting it was, team wasn't going to be that good, but they were going to be able to somewhat compete. And then after his first year there, okay, he coached a lot of studs in college. You know, he could potentially get one of those studs who he coached in college to come play for him, whether it be Zeke, Michael Thomas, one of those dudes, the Bosa's. That's what people were expecting, that he could at least get one of those guys or a couple of those guys to come play for him. He didn't even get that far. And you can't – dude, you have certain certain coaches, like you can – with that iron fist and everything like that, like, you know, Belichick, Belichick is proven. Like, Belichick can can kind of – he can kind of do that. Like, Urban Meyer thought he was going to come in. It's like, dude, like, you know, there, there were times where I'm not kidding – I literally think, like, if he were to tell one of his players, like, there's, like, a pecking order when it comes to coaches. Like, you have to – a player has to get uh, – what is it? A coach has to demand players' respect. Like, it's not like the – it's it's the other way around where, like, the coach has to respect you in college to, like, let you play, everything like that. It's the other way around. It's – in the NFL, the players have to basically get re- – like, the coach has to be respected by the players and everything like yep. that. And – I would not be surprised if there were times where he's like, you know, he'd tell a guy like, no, you're not playing. And he was like, fuck you. I make more than you. And then the dude just checks himself in the game. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would not be surprised if that's what was going down. down he there. benched, he benched James Robinson, which is like the only good thing about that team was the running back, James Robinson. He's, he's a gem for them too. Undrafted rookie free agent had over a thousand yards rushing and like 600 receiving. And you're going to bench that guy. Like, come on, dude. Urban Meyer failure. Here's the thing. I think also for Urban Meyer, he fundamentally misunderstood what it meant to coach in the NFL. Because in the NFL, you got to be a coach. In college, you can be a great recruiter and get away with being a great head coach in college. You know what I'm saying? And that's Urban Meyer. Great recruiter, right? I'm sure he's a, he can sweet talk you into like whatever, signing whatever, right? He, he is a... I'm sure he's a smooth talker. He's smooth talked his way to an, into a job with the the Jaguars and still going to find a way to get his money. But, I mean, like Nick Saban's the same one. Like the only one, really, the only coach that stands out that has worked well uh, and excelled at both levels, college and the pros, is Jim Harbaugh. He's the only one that really stands out. Because say what you want, but everyone wants to crap on Jim Harbaugh. I, he's a, I think he's a better NFL coach than he was a college coach. Genuinely think he's a better NFL coach than a college coach. Because the dude comes in, and what does he do? NFC title games, what, three years in a row? 11, 12, 13, and then 14, they go 8-8, eight and eight, and they fire him? And he goes yeah. back to college, and he's just like, okay, I'm going to coach Michigan and just have fun. revitalized Michigan, too, dude. I mean, uh, Michigan under Brady Hoke, like... Brady Hoke had talent oh. and you know he basically came in and was like now nah, like Michigan went from like six wins to like the next year they won 10 next year they, and they were talking about firing the guy it's like dude you beat every other team in your you beat every other it was the same shit with like um who was it with like LSU like they fired Les Miles it's like dude LSU was sending guys to the NFL every single year they were up there with Alabama it's like we get it like you know because of the way it works, it was the same thing with Michigan. It's like you're sending guys to the NFL every year. You got studs. It was like you're winning 11, 12 games every year just because you have this other juggernaut in your division, not even just in your in your conference, in your division that you can't beat. It's like that doesn't take away from you as a program. They're talking about firing Harbaugh. It's like, dude, he's literally beating everybody else. He wins the rivalry game against Michigan State every damn year, but because he can't beat Ohio State, because Ohio State has literally a team of first-rounders, 
they want to fire the guy. It was the same thing with fucking LSU all those years. It was like people forgot how good and how talented LSU really was as a program just because they'd had, you know, Leonard Fournette, Odell, Jarvis Landry, all those defensive studs, everything like Why that, Tyron Matthew. Tyran, the, the, the Tyran Matthews, all those dudes, people forgot just how good they were because, you know, they're winning 11, uh, uh, 10, 11 games every year, but because they couldn't beat Alabama, it's like, yeah, they're going to this bowl instead of playing for the national championship. And it's not a knock on them because, okay, basically, they because they can't beat the team that's the odds-on favorite to win the national championship every year who just so happens to be in their division, you're going to take away from that and be like, oh, like, you know, we're going to discount them. It's like, take – Take LSU out and put them in the fucking Pac-12, or take you know, uh, take Ohio State and put them in the fucking Big 12, and uh, uh, no, Michigan and put them in the fucking Big 12, and watch them run through that entire fucking conference because they don't have to play those other two damn juggernauts. It's they're like they the are. Coach, sorry, the other yeah, coach that you, the other coach uh, was um, Pete Carroll, dude. Pete Carroll's the other one. Pete Carroll, you know, he yeah, revitalized yeah, yeah, USC, right. and I then he that just. One. And then he just, you know, I mean, obviously he hasn't had the success the last couple of years, but, you know, obviously it hasn't been the same. Like they, the, the front office has struck out on a lot of, you know, particularly defensive players and everything like that. You know, they, they did great. They brought in, um, what was it? Great with drafting DK Metcalf. They've had Tyler Lockett, everything like that. Russ is obviously getting older and everything like that, which is, you know, nothing that you could do about that. But, you know, their thing was defense and they haven't been able to replace what they once had, which was like, you know, in the last decade, the mo- most dominant defense of the last decade, like, was was the Legion of Boom. Yeah. And they haven't really been able to replace that. So, but Pete Carroll's another one, dude. You know, came in, went to USC, revitalized that, got to the Seahawks and everything like that. Which the Seahawks did make a Super Bowl appearance in what, 05? Really didn't do anything since then. And then he came in, they built up that defense, drafted Russ, won the Super Bowl, went to another one, lost. And, you know, he's, he's another one, though. Just everywhere he goes. And... It's hard. It's hard to have that sustained success, though, unless you're a Belichick. You know, it's very got, hard, and you have a Brady. It's very, very hard. We got my boy Big Ticket in the chat saying Michigan finished second to last in the Big Ten East last season. Harbaugh's criticisms were, were earned, but they played well this season. Uh, I mean, okay, last year, but last year, but think about it. Last year was a weird season. Like you can't because think about it. Penn State, dude. Penn State. Micah Parsons opted out. Penn State almost lost every damn game like you can't really count last season because indiana dude the year before like in the in the during the um the covid year indiana damn near almost won the big 10 and then this year with fans in the stands and everything like that i think i don't think indiana won a game in the big 10 like i think even Rutgers beat them so the you can't really count that covid year because that was a that was a very 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 weird year full okay and again and in defense of jim harbaugh like I'm gonna read out his records since he's been at Michigan, ten and three, ten and three, eight and five, ten and three, nine and four, two and four last year, twelve and two this year. He consistently wins. They played six games last year, six games in a season where I mean, especially college football, dude. It was you and I were talking about the entire season how just it was a weird season. It, like like I mean, the players opting out was weird. The the players testing positive was weird. Everything. I mean, again, everyone was navigating it. But to have, like, for the entire Big Ten only play six games, it's hard to get in a groove when you're only playing six games, right? It's really hard to get into a groove, mentally prepare for that. I mean, it is, and especially with everything else going on, I mean, if there's any season 
that you would not even I don't want to even give him a pass, right? Because I feel like I, that's whatever, soft or whatever. But it's like I, I just don't think you can criticize him too much for one bloop year, like one year where it was just like, oh, it didn't work, you know? It's like uh, it's like 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 look at his like John Harbaugh, right? Like you know, John Harbaugh consistently has a winning record almost every year. Of twenty fifteen, they went five and eleven. It was just like, okay, that's a dud. You're gonna fire him after that. You're gonna fire Bill Belichick last year after going seven and nine. No, I. It's just let great coaches coach and let them work out the problems because you because you know damn well Jim Harbaugh looked at the looked at the problems that this team had last year and he figured them out and they were in the title picture this year. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, that's it's pretty much what it is. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say he's obviously like you know. There are high expectations of it at that, but I mean, look, look at outside of the outside of Brady Hoke's first year at Michigan, first year at Michigan, which they they won like eleven games. Brady Hoke's first year at Michigan, right? That yeah. was a Rich Rod. That was with a Rich Rod left like team. Like that was Rich Rod left them with yeah. with that, and that's what he did when he had to go build his own team, bring in his own guys. Brady Hoke was winning, you know. He was, he, I think what he went like eight and five, you know, the next year he won like seven games and the next year he won like four. So to go from that to the, I think, I think, um, outside of the COVID year, um, the only real down year they had was the one year where they went eight and five, which, you know, that was like one of Brady Hoke's best years. And that was Harbaugh's worst year when you're not counting the damn fucking uh COVID year one year like one year i mean and hey hey big shout out to brady hoke i mean san diego state did really well this season i mean like they won what like they won like 13 and 2 or whatever or or like something like that or not 13 it was like 11 and 2 or something they, they did they did well yeah for the mountain west competition they did oh they big, ticket, big tickets big tickets fighting back big tickets fighting back at you andrew what's said, he saying what's said he saying? Michi- michigan would not dominate the big 12 that's just not true i'm gonna be quiet now they wouldn't dominate the big 12 they don't play defense in the big 12 the only team that plays defense in the the only team that plays defense in the big 12 is is baylor i'll give you that okay the big 12 oh god the big 12 that that that's kansas that's kansas state that's i mean they don't they literally the like like i know we've and literally they don't play defense outside of potentially losing a shootout to oklahoma i think they could go into oklahoma state and beat them you know they would maybe maybe lose a slugfest to baylor because baylor is the only team that actually plays defense texas dude how many years how many years has it been texas wins the first game and texas is back only for texas to only win seven games come on dude like, here's the thing. The only team, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could say, like, like, I don't even think that, man. I think, really, the only team that plays defense properly in that whole thing is a TCU. Like, the TCU. Only that attempted to. That's attempt- the only team that they, 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 Baylor they, does they, now. Baylor does now because they bought in Dave Aranda from LSU. Mm-hmm. So, Baylor does now, and they bought in guys. But, I mean, outside of that, dude, fucking, you, 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 you think Michigan look, – look, look at the schedule they'd play, dude. Think about the Big 12. Think about who's in the Big 12. Outside of potentially losing a shootout, which they wouldn't even – it wouldn't even be a shootout because as we've seen, physical teams, physical SEC and Big 10 teams fucking run all over Oklahoma. 
Like, we've seen it. We have a big enough sample size to know that physical teams will fucking just take it to Oklahoma. So Oklahoma has to score points or they're screwed. And in those games, they don't. So outside of potentially losing a shootout to Oklahoma, um, they beat Kansas. They beat Kansas State. Um, TCU is not what it once was. They do attempt to play defense, but they don't have the talent they once had. Gary Patterson. I don't even know if he's still there anymore. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's another one. You know, you Oklahoma State, you forget that Oklahoma State is like there until you look up and they're like, you know, nine and one or ten and oh at the end of the year. And then what happens? They lose to Oklahoma and their season is essentially over. So the only team that could really give Michigan a run for their money, I think, in the Big 12 as of right now, would probably be Baylor, but Oklahoma is going to get better defensively. The problem in the past with Oklahoma has been they don't play defense. So I think Michigan, if you would have put Michigan the last couple of years in the Big 12, hell yeah, they'd run through it. Yeah, man. Man, oh, man. We got we got a lot to talk about, Andrew. Um, man, we, we went on like a 20-minute tirade about like coaches in college football. But I think it was yeah, I think it was good. I think it was good. Also, uh, there's a report that Kyler Murray apparently told Colt McCoy after the playoff loss that, quote, I'm done. Which, I mean, hey, that he was correct. He, they were done for the season, at least. He's, he's, he's going he's gonna to force his way out of Arizona? Nah, I mean, I, I think it's – I don't think he's – I don't think it's going to end up happening. Cardinals – I mean, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm not trading him. Unless I get – I don't even know what I, what would I need to get to get no unless I would get like and again this is like from a pure football perspective right it, that assuming he can play and everything's false right if Deshaun Watson if you trade Deshaun Watson for Kyler Murray I do that you be reunion yeah I know that no I do I dude, do that. Kyler Murray Kyler Murray is still on his rookie deal dude. No, you, no, I you, understand that, but if but, you're I, if you're gonna get Deshaun Watson, I want every draft pick they have. If I'm taking Deshaun Watson's salary, then they don't if have I'm getting Deshaun Watson's salary, I better have. If you're gonna say, if you're if you're Arizona and you're gonna give you're gonna give Houston Kyler Murray on that that player friendly deal that he's still on his rookie contract, if you're gonna take on Deshaun Watson's contract, you I I better have next year's first, second, third, fourth. The year after that's first and second, and then maybe the year after that's first. If I'm taking on that contract with Kyler Murray's current contract. That would be, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have Murray to see what was happens. A number one, think about it. He was a number one overall pick. With that player-friendly contract, I better have like the next three years worth of first-rounders coming if you're going to absorb Deshaun Watson's salary. I just think Watson's a better quarterback if he can stay on the field. If he can be on the field, well, yeah. I think he's just Mighty a better Mouse quarterback. Can't see over, Mighty Mouse can't see over the O-line. That's his problem. But it's like, it's maybe, like, the Giants, I, maybe the Giants should look into it. Did, did I tell you I uh, – I created like whenever I I play like my career in Madden or whatever or, or franchise mode, I always create myself as like a five foot six quarterback. I was like I'm all about the immersiveness, bro. When I tell you it is, I am running the Baker Mayfield like thing. Well, uh, Baker Mayfield like uh, uh, offense. It's just hand the ball off, bootleg play action all day. <laughs> like, cause I mean, yo, you really can't see over him. And this is me playing Madden. Wait till like the VR Madden comes through. Wait till you're you're like actually the quarterback. That's gonna be weird. That's gonna be. When you have to play as Kyler Murray, you're gonna actually see what it's like to be what a five nine. 
He's listed at five ten. Uh, he's listed at five ten, dude. He's he, the dude's got to be eight. at least five seven. He's, he's got to be at least yeah, five, five seven, five eight. Because the cleats, yeah, yeah. the cleats add an additional two inches, so he's got to be at least five seven, five eight. Don't forget like, about the hair too. The hair. <laughs> so think about that, dude. And he's got to see over like the shortest dude on the O line is usually the center, and the center is usually like six feet, six one. Your left tackle is usually like six seven. Your right six, tackle eight, is usually right. like six eight. Like, and he's got to try to see over that when these dudes are a foot taller than him. Big Ticket says, bring me on the show one day. Hey, man, we're open to it. We're always open to it. He, I, he's got – I think Big Ticket is a – he's a staunch defender of Big 12 football here. We got a big staunch hey man, defender. Listen, I'm a, I, I, I like watching Big 12 football too. I like defense, but occasionally I do like a 60 to 58 final score. Occasionally I do football. like a Big 12 shootout. That is not football. That is, they don't that play defense. Happen. They don't play defense. And they, I'm sorry. And, and no I know he says, that gets played, he says dude. last three seasons, best scoring defense in three straight bowl seasons is the big 12. If I had a fact checker, I would tell him to fact check that, but we'll, we'll move on. We'll take your word for it for now. Big ticket. We'll address this later guys. Hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And tell you let's... what, they're going to get better oh. on defense though. They just, I mean, the only team, the, 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 the team in the big 12 is, uh, Oklahoma and they literally just bought in a defensive like they bought in the best defensive coach outside of Saban they, they could have bought in to be their head coach so Oklahoma is going to get better on defense I don't know how they're going to score points though because every quarterback they had left so little known fact when we, start, the ball. when we started this show I it always took me longer to edit the show than actually like record it because we did just go on like long diatribes and long tangents like we just did for like 30 minutes. Um, so there's your well, little I insides. Yeah, I can't I mean, wait for the draft, dude. I can't wait for the oh, draft. Oh, well, dude. I mean, look, you can't wait for the draft. That's why I got this segment here. Andrew, CBS Sports just unleashed or unleashed. Oh, God, that's very aggressive. But CBS Sports just uh, unveiled, I guess, their QB rankings. So these are the QB rankings, top five quarterbacks coming into this NFL draft. According to CBS Sports, at number one, you got Matt Matt Corral, Corral, as some Corral, people Matt say. Corral. Matt Corral, like on some Mr. Crab shit, uh, from Old Miss. Malik Willis from Liberty. Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. Sam Howell from North Carolina. And the incredibly underrated Desmond Ritter from Ye University of Cincinnati. Andrew, I'm going to ask you just a full-on question. Which one of these quarterbacks is... Do you think, actually, no, I'll just rephrase the question for a second. What do you think about this list, first of all? Matt, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, and Desmond Ritter in that order. What do you think of this list by CBS Sports? What do you mean? Do I, like, the like, list well, itself? Or, yeah, like, yeah. like, the order in which the names are? The like, or, is that the what you or, mean? No, the order. The order. What do you think? Um, Who is, Matt how Corral? about this? How about this? Who, Andrew, who is the best quarterback coming into this NFL draft? Highest ceiling is Malik Willis. Uh, most NFL ready to me is Kenny Pickett. That's 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 what I that's what I see. Kenny Pickett took that Pittsburgh program that was essentially you know hasn't had a quarterback ever and won the ACC with them. Uh, Malik Willis, though, I think even though he's coming out of Liberty, which he did play for a Hugh Freeze. Uh, offense and everything like that. Very explosive guy and everything. A lot of people say he does remind them of Trey Lance and everything. People forget that he wasn't your prototypical, like coming out of a small school guy. Like he ended up at a smaller school, but 
he was at Auburn before he transferred to Liberty to play for Hugh Freeze. So the talent is definitely there. Like he had SEC ability. It just didn't work out at Auburn. So that's why I think he has the highest ceiling. Matt Corral, Matt Corral to me is, I think he's solid. I think playing in a uh, Lane Kiffin offense obviously made him look a lot better. And the NFL is going to show like, we're, we're going to wait for the pro days for all these guys, because when the pro days are really going to show like what they can and can't do, everything like that, it's going to show like, but you can't put too much stock in the pro day. Cause remember Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson was making, Zach Wilson was making fucking, you know, on the run, like, Zach Wilson was making Mahomes throws on a pro day, and then he gets to the NFL, and he couldn't do any of that. So that's pretty much um, Desmond Ritter. I mean, I like Desmond Ritter. Uh, him being at number five I think is good. Another quarterback that I think is being left out that, you know, he's not going to be a, a higher one, but I think could be a solid third or fourth round pick was a kid out of Oregon, Anthony Brown. That's like my, like, he's a sleeper, mm. a guy that I think could come in and, you know um, – he could carve out a role for himself, maybe as a backup, or maybe even I'm not going to go as far as to say Deshaun Watson, but he he could be a I think he could be a pretty good quarterback. Sam Howell, I have a weird uh, my thing on Sam Howell was he was supposed to be a lot better. North Carolina was supposed to be a lot better this year. The fact that they weren't is the only reason why I have a lot of suspicion because this was the year Clemson was down. This was the year for North Carolina with all they returned to take the step win the ACC, it was literally conference player of the year was after um, DJU, after DJU Youngerlite basically lost it. It was Sam Howell in North Carolina's and they didn't, they didn't take it. That's the only reason why I have reservations about Sam Howell. I, I agree with you. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like, I am like biased against quarterbacks who come from the state of North Carolina ever since like the Daniel Jones debacle, Mitch Trubisky, I'm just like, stay away from it. If they fall like into the into the late first round or the second round, hey, all right, come on, go get them. But I'm just like, you know what? Like, I don't see something from Sam Howell that I don't see from a lot of other quarterbacks. For me, I agree with you, Malik Willis, biggest potential. Biggest, and it's both ways, though. He has the biggest potential to succeed. He's also got a lot of potential to bust, and that's not me saying he's going to be a bust. That is me saying that Trey it could Lance. go de- de- exactly depending on where he goes. If he goes like top three, we're talking about a, a lot of different like like he could potentially be a bust, or he could just have been like something that a lot of other people didn't see. For me, the most interesting one and the player that if I had to bet my money on it, Andrew, if I had to bet my money on like ten years from now, which one of these players? or which one of these quarterbacks is 100% going to be playing in the NFL, it's Desmond Ritter. And it comes from this belief and what, what I've seen, and, and especially over the last like maybe 15 years in the NFL, one thing that has transferred over well for longevity, and I'm not saying necessarily he's going to be a star, I'm not saying he's going to be a pro bowler even, but people who stay in the league, they won a lot of games in college. Colt McCoy, he's still around. He's still starting games sometimes. You have Cates Keenum, still around. Uh, Kellen Moore would have still been around. He was still on the Cowboys, and then he ended up being a coach. Uh, now he's in a head coaching consideration, which is crazy to me because he was he was dropping dimes at Boise State like just a few years ago. Um, but, see, for me, I, I am just like, he won in college. 
Yes, the fundamentals aren't great all the time. Yes, he throws inaccurate balls sometimes. But those are things you can work on. The dude is a stud. He's a he, he he's a diamond in the rough. He's got a poten- he's got potential to do well, and he's a winner and a proven leader. And that's the bare minimum. He's gonna come in and do his job in the NFL, which is a lot more than some players can honestly say. And especially coming off of this last year. Like 30 touchdowns, eight picks. The dude passed for 3,000 yards. He He's mobile as well. I think Desmond Ritter is going to surprise a lot of people. But for mm-hmm. me, for me, like that's the guy who I have to bet 10 years from now, which one of these is 100% going to be playing. I'm like, Desmond Ritter. I agree. I He's the guy. I mean, we don't have a second-round pick, but if he's there in the third round, which, you know, like, like these, a lot of these mocks, dude, a lot of these mocks are not, you know, you don't know where yeah. some of these guys are going to fall. I mean, Desmond Ritter could be a first rounder. He could fall the fourth, third or fourth round. You don't know. If he's there in the fourth, uh, third round, though, I want Tennessee to take him. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, especially when you look at, like, like, like who are going to be, like, the teams that are picking at the top. I, I it, like, the, like, the NFL draft is going to be very interesting. I mean, like, like I mean, outside of, like, you know, like, the number one pick, like, we all know, like, fucking kid from michigan's going to he's going there like i mean it's just jacksonville if they could you imagine jacksonville takes a quarterback it's a shot con that that's something the shot con would do that's like a very shot con move just being like you know what we need another quarterback let's go get him let's go get him boys you know what they could be like they could be like tennessee though in 2016 or 27 i think it was 2016 where they could say we got the number one pick you know what we're gonna trade the number one pick we're gonna I don't think a team is – by the way, I think Tennessee is the only team in the history of the NFL to ever just get a, that highly coveted pick and be like, no, nah, we're going to trade it. We're going to get like 10 picks in return. That's the we're going to trade it. Your team is never going to be that bad ever again too. No. You're, like never. Foundation is too set and everything like that. The foundation is too set. We have, you know, a good enough culture built. Like we're never going to be – we're not going to have to. But, hey, Jacksonville, Jacksonville is that bad where Jacksonville literally could be like, you know what? We don't like this. We'll trade. Hey, the Jets that got would two be top ten so picks. So dumb. Dude, that would be dude. so dumb. Wait, could you imagine they trade with the Giants? The Giants get the number one pick, and they get they get both of the Giants' first round picks, and maybe a second rounder for that first round. Like, could you imagine that? Then they could go out and get like Kayvon the, the, Thibodeau. I mean, I mean, the ones that are in play are like uh, like the Philadelphia Eagles have like back to back picks at fifteen and sixteen. You got the the Giants who have two. The I think the the Jets have two in the top ten. That's actually a, that's one that could actually most realistic. Uh, I just don't see them moving up for a quarterback. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, moving up for Aiden Hutchinson. That's that I I wouldn't say that's a bad move. I think Aiden Hutchinson is like by far the best player in this draft. Like, like I I mean it, like. Yeah, you could say Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe, like, I I, I mean... Well, I mean, I love me... Derek Stingley. I love Derek Stingley, do you, but a corner's do you not really? going number one. A corner's not going number one. I love Derek Stingley, yeah. Is it, I mean, I mean, the corner, if you go number... If you're a corner who goes number one, you gotta have, like, you know... You gotta have, like, what's his name? Uh, Dion. Have you Brian ever, have you ever heard... Have you ever heard the Jalen Ramsey draft story? Where he actually said, when he was coming out, he goes... He wanted to go to the Titans, because he's from Tennessee, and he literally was like, when I saw Tennessee had the number one pick... I thought I was going to make history. And then the next second I saw they traded it, and I was like, damn. That's that shit Prime said. It's like, it's like I'm glad Detroit didn't take me. I would ask for so much money they had to put me on layaway. <laughs> I was like, okay. 
Oh, it's okay. Dallas. It was either no, it was at Dallas, right? It wasn't it San Francisco? Or no, it was one of the, it, was... it was either Atlanta. Was it Atlanta? It was one of the three. I think he played no, he in played, one of those three. He played, he played for Atlanta, but I don't think he was drafted by Atlanta, was he? I think he was drafted by San Francisco. I, we're just naming all the teams. The Ravens. Yeah, they drafted him too. Because remember, he came out and he came out of retirement after like two years and played for the Ravens. Yeah. Because like, Ray Lewis was like, "Hey, Prime, he's trying to play." <laughs> and Prime looked at it was like, "Me play with Ray Lewis?" Ooh. So it was the Falcons. Falcons took him fifth overall, then San Francisco, then Dallas, then he played for Washington. And then he came out of retirement to play for the Ravens. And it was like a two year. He was like off for two years. He was off for two years. And he just said, hey, let me get my bag with with with, with Ray, with Sugar and the boys. Like, I love Prime. Hey, Coach Prime, man. Coach Prime. Taking over. Taking over. Uh, like, I'm telling you, man. Like, was it Jackson State? Just watch. Two years. They're going to be D1. They're going to be D1 Bowl Series, baby. Well, yeah. they already. I think they already are D1. I mean, dude, he flipped. Mm. Dude, gonna be FBS, sorry. the number one high school player in the country when that happened. Like, like, damn, dude, like that, that this kid said I could have went to Florida State and had all my games nationally televised. Nah, I'm going to go play for the greatest corner ever because my coach just so happened to play the same position that I played and he was the best to ever do it. It's it's literally like I mean, we talked about earlier. In college, you can just be a great recruiter and get away with being a coach. That's not even saying that Dion's not a good coach, but that's just it's just facts. I think you do have to be a good coach to an extent, though, because I'm looking at Memphis, like college basketball, Memphis. I mean, motherfucking Penny. Well, I, I, I meant football. I meant football. Oh, okay. Because I'm a college basketball. I mean, because you don't know. I mean, how you many, could be. You a, hey, many... hey, hey! If you're a good recruiter, you could be a good bat NBA coach. Hell, half of that job's recruiting anyway. Cause I'm th- I'm looking at like do you do you know how many college teams I've seen that like literally have like three McDonald's All Americans and then the team the team the, the, their team record is like 17 to 13 and it's like bro you have three NBA lottery picks on your team how the hell did you not win 25 at least 25 games this year like we'll never know part of the reason that's part of the reason why you got to give props to coach K was he manages, he manages those egos. And he actually, you know, on top of having all that talent and making a gel, he is able to, you know, win. Whereas, you know, you have years where Kentucky has all that talent and it takes them a while to really start gelling. Coach K is one of those, he can get that talent and get it to gel right away, which is, you know, props to him. He yeah, does a man. very poor job developing that talent, but makes it work. Hey man, how 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 insane would it be if Coach K went out winning a chip? I'd stop watching college basketball because that means that this is because this, this is Gonzaga's year. This is GU's year. Oh man, it, it, what year isn't GU's year? Year? I don't know. Two thousand six was supposed to be the year, and then they were like, okay, 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 and then twenty fifteen was supposed to be the year, but they ran into Duke in the Elite Eight. And then 2017 was literally the the actual year where they had a fucking they had a McDonald's All American future NBA draft lottery pick as like the seventh man because that team was so damn deep, and that didn't work. And then last year they had two two NBA lottery picks on the team, didn't lose a game until the last one. And uh, yeah, this is the year though. This is the year, though. GU cuts down the nets this year. Can't wait for March Madness either, dude. March is right around the corner. I can't wait. Just 15 days away. 
Actually, not even 15. It's, 15, it's a short month. 13, like 13 yeah. is. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. Well, guys, we're getting close to the end of this show. We got one more thing to talk about. And it is uh, something that's very near and dear to my heart because I, I talked about the Nationals before. By the way, happy trails to Ryan Zimmerman officially retiring after 16 years uh, in, in, the, in, in Major League Baseball. Big shout out to Ryan Zimmerman. The, the greatest national, uh, my favorite player, uh, my favorite baseball player by far. Uh, the reason I watch pro baseball is Ryan Zimmerman, so happy trails to you, sir. And it seems like happy trails to Juan Soto, Andrew. So, hey, good news for you as a Mets fan. Nats ain't doing shit for the next at least six years. Um, Juan Soto has rejected, just flat out said no to the Washington Nationals on a extension. Not going to say I didn't expect it because I did, but part of me was, like, hoping, just like, ah, come on, just let's see how you feel, you know? Like, hey, maybe he, maybe we, maybe the money is enough. Well, apparently the no. money wasn't enough in this case. Nope. Um, So Nationals offered once out of a 13-year $350 million extension, and the outfielders said, nah. These are reports coming out now from before the lockout. The offer was made before the work stoppage and was intended to start the season but did not include deferred money. Uh, had it materialized, Soto would have earned an average salary of almost $27 million until the year 2034, until he turned 36. Not a bad bag, uh, but... Nope, it's not happening. As a Nats fan, I am very sad <laughs> because Juan Soto was like, but Juan Soto, I should say, was like the last bit of hope that I had. At like, okay, there is a light at the end of this tunnel for sure because I mean he's a great player, uh, future MVP, I think. But this, I mean, this news means like I'm okay. He's gonna get a bag, and it's just not gonna be in DC. And mm -hmm. we're, we're gonna draft okay for the next like you know five six years, and hopefully down the line we'll build a team, but. Yeah, if you're a Nats fan, don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. Uh, invest in season tickets for the twenty like twenty eight season though. That's gonna be a good season. Uh, Andrew, what what's your reaction to this news about Juan Soto rejecting the Nats offer? I'm not really surprised. I'm kind of pissed off though because I know my team's not gonna go get him, but I know he's gonna end up in New York. Just not my team. That's yep. the, yeah, pretty much. New York or L.A. It's it's yeah. one of those things that he's like, he's going to New York or L.A. or he's, he's going to not do my team. He's not going to my New York team. I nope. can tell you that he's going to go nope. to the one that's going to and my, my New York team can afford to pay him. We just won't. He's going to go to the other one with the 200 foot fence in right field where he's going to hit 50 home runs a year. Hey, man, who knows? He could he could pull a fast one and do uh, who, who was it? It was uh, it was um, who uh, who's that guy from the Orioles? Um, Manny Manny Machado. No, Manny Machado. Machado. Remember Manny Machado? He's like he took his bag. He took his bag to the West Coast, but he was like, "I'm going. I'm going to San Diego. I'm going to make that my team." And it's like oh, immediately regretted that because he's like, "Fuck, we suck." Well, it was a slap in the face because he got traded to the Dodgers and literally yeah. was like, literally and then he literally told the Dodgers, "Fuck off. I'm going to go get a bag, but I'm going to go sign with your rival." And that was, you know, that was that. The the Brooklyn, the formerly Brooklyn Dodgers. Anyway, guys, what a show this has been. Andrew, as we move on from this show, uh, you got any final takes, final thoughts, anything you want to get off your chest before we head out? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I do. It was, it was going back on my Gonzaga point. People, all right, listen. College basketball, I don't know if any of you follow college basketball and everything like that. I do, not as much as I used to. The, the hate for Gonzaga has to stop. The whole, you know, they don't play nobody. The conference isn't this. It's, it's, listen, it's not 1999. It's not even 2005, 2006 anymore, okay? I understand their conference is not the strongest conference. It has gotten a lot better. But when you look at some of those teams and everything like that, when you look at a team, don't look at who it is they're playing against and use that against them. Look at who who's on the team. Look at the names on the roster. Look at the talent. I don't care. I don't care. You could take Duke and put them in the fucking NEC or the SWAC or any of like those, you know, one of those BS conferences and everything like that that gets a one-bid team for the NCAA tournament, Okay. The fact of the matter is they still have talent. They still have NBA caliber talent on the team. That's what Gonzaga is. So don't sit here and don't follow this outdated narrative that just because their conference is weak, that that's the only reason why Gonzaga is this. That's the only reason why they're this. Okay. They, they score a hundred points a game. Okay. I can understand if they're playing in that BS conference and, you know, they have to grind out victories against some of like these, you know, not as sought after teams and they're, you know, winning a 60 to 55 game or something like that. They're playing against these, these second tier teams, which are not even second tier teams. Cause actually if you pay close attention to them, like they're, they're beating big time teams, like the teams in their conference, but they're dropping a hundred on every team. So they have a legitimate, you know, lottery pick and Chet Holmgren, number one player, Andrew Nemhard's probably the best point guard in college basketball. Okay. They have two McDonald's all Americans coming off their bench. One of them is Hunter Salas. Who's going to be a stud next year. The other one is this kid, Nolan Hickman, who decommitted from Kentucky to actually go to GU and drew Timmy. Drew Timmy is probably the best big man. Drew Timmy is like the, he reminds me a lot of Tyler Hansborough and that might not be the best NBA player, College basketball, though, he's 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 a stud. He's unstoppable. And you know what? His career, his career might end. He might go out the way Hansborough did as a champion and everything like that. So that's only my thing. That's my rant on Gonzaga. Is people got to stop? You know, stop with the Gonzaga hate. Stop hating on the West Coast Conference. I understand it's not the ACC. It's not. It's not. You know, uh, the SEC. It's not one of those big time conferences and everything like that. But if you have a team that's getting the caliber of, um, of uh, talent that Gonzaga is to go along with the caliber of talent they already have. No matter what conference you put them in, at the end of the day, they're going to be able to, and they've shown they can compete with big-time teams. And it's, that, yeah. that's my rant. At some point, you got to look at the team. It's constructed, how it plays against other really good teams, how it plays in big moments, and what they produce. Gonzaga does, from time to time, produce quality to good NBA talent. They from time to time, do beat really good teams. Actually, when they're not playing in the national championship or the final four, they almost always beat good teams. That's just what they do. You know, it's when they get to that national championship game, it, it just seems to be their kryptonite, right? But sure, we'll talk about that at some point further on. But the narrative that they're somehow inferior because they play in a, an inferior conference or whatever it's stupid it's just as stupid as the boise state thing was 10 years ago when people were like boise state shouldn't sh uh, should never be in consideration for a national championship in college football dude they churn out nf they turn out league uh what's it called Pro uh, professional talent they win games they beat who they're supposed to beat they beat all the good teams that want to actually schedule against them what more do you want like it, it, it's stupid they're great players. Chet Holgram is going to be the number one overall pick in all likelihood. It, just stop it. 
The narrative is if anyone's still pushing that narrative that Gonzaga is somehow not a quality team or not even like they're like just not a top ten college basketball program. I'm like get the hell out of here, get the hell out of here, Gonzaga. No, they're they're chilling. They're they are elite in college basketball. You can take that to the bank. That's it. Look at that. You and I actually agree on something. That's it. I mean, that, that was pretty much that, that was my rant. I saw somebody making comments about how, you know, Gonzaga is unbearable to watch until the NCAA tournament. It's like, what are you talking about? Did you not watch any of their preseason? The, the Gonzaga versus Duke game earlier this season was like the most watched game in the last 10 years in college basketball. Like, what do you mean they're unwatchable? Like th- they obviously, you know, they're not playing against, you know, the same they're not in a big time conference that'll have their own network. Like the ACC has the ACC network, SEC has SEC network. But I mean, you know, when you look at when you look at the guys on the even when you look at the guys on the roster and everything, like that's why I tell people like you know don't look at who they're playing against. Look at the names. Look at the guys on the roster. Like look at you know they got Chet Holmgren, number one high school player in the country, going to be a lottery pick. Andrew Nemhard, best point guard in the country. Andrew Nemhard was a starting point guard of Florida for two years before transferring to GU. Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy was a was a high four star fringe five star recruit coming out. Lacks athleticism, but around the basket, like I said, he reminds me a lot of Tyler Hansborough in just the way he plays and everything. And then all those other guys around them, you know, Nolan Hickman decommitted from Kentucky. Nolan Hickman was a McDonald's all American who decommitted from Kentucky to go play at GU. He's coming off the bench and he's going to be a stud for them next year. They have a kid, Julian Strother, who was another one ESPN top 50 recruit and everything like that. Didn't really play last year because all the talent they had dudes coming on this year. Julian Strother can literally drop 25 a game. If he really wanted to Julian Strother would be probably the one a on 98% of college basketball teams in, in the country. Like that, that, that's the kind of talent that these guys have on the roster. So don't sit here and look at the caliber of competition they're playing against and hold that against them. Look at the caliber of competition they're playing against and look at, you know, how they're faring against it. I can understand if they were playing against second tier competition and just barely squeaking by or something like that. But you know, they're making like the reason why people say like, oh, they play in a JV conference. Well, did you ever think it was because maybe they're so good they make those teams look like JV teams. Why, if you watch the Big East, I went to a Big East school. You watch the Big East, GU is better than every team in the Big East. If you put GU in the current Big East, they would win the Big East. Like they, they're, they're not going to put up – they would still put up a very gaudy record. Like They would win the Big East just because talent-wise, as well as the uh, coaching and the um, leadership and the experience they have, they'd run through the Big East. And the Big East is going to get six teams in the NCAA tournament. So just to put that in perspective, that's that's a way to look at Gonzaga. You heard it here first, folks. That That's how you look at Gonzaga. And that's going to, I think, do it for our show, Andrew. Any final thoughts before we move on? Not really. Okay, thank God. <laughs> Guys, if you haven't already, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. Helps more people see our content. Uh, be sure to follow us as well on Twitter at Real Take Sports. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Real Take Sports Talk, www.realtakesports.com. Follow Andrew at no, you in don't. brackets. Oh, don't don't oh, do that. No, don't do that. Don't, don't do don't, that. Don't do okay, that. Okay, don't. Okay, don't follow Andrew. Uh, follow me on Twitter though for my shitty sports takes at O M E R Q Show. That's Umer Q Show on Twitter. 
And until next time, as always, be happy, be healthy, and keep it real.